World's Finest Podcast, Episode 98. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Well, let's see. It's been about, oh, I don't know, 10 days since my last drink, and uh, <laughs> I'm feeling good. <laughs> Won't be doing that again for a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. I won't ask you to go into the story. I won't ask you at all. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I was a little surprised when I found out you did that. Not not surprised in a bad way or surprised in a good way, just surprised. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, I, I, can, I, I can tell the, the skeleton of the story, so to speak. I mean, I okay. just I drank uh, five shots of Jaeger and a beer in the span of about 15 minutes. So that, that didn't end very well, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. since I weigh about 130 pounds. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah, I've recently discovered that I can drink pretty much like a bottle and a half of wine before I really start to feel it. Um, and we're talking wine that has like an, a pretty decent uh, alcohol percentage, you know, like 13%. We're not talking like a Riesling or something that has like 9 or 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now when it comes to like mixed drinks, you know, depending on how heavy they're poured determines how much I can do. Like... There's times where I've done like five, six shots of whiskey and I'm not feeling anything, but other times where I have other drinks and I'm feeling it after just two or three, you know? Were you feeling it the next morning at all? No, I actually, the few times I've been drunk, I've never had a hangover, and I suspect my metabolism has something to do with that, so. Yeah. Uh, But I don't drink, like, ever, so I was just trying to have a little fun one night and, uh, uh, just go along with it for just a very, a very rare occasion. Since I I just don't like alcoholic drinks generally. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, I was, I was just said fuck it. I don't have to work the next day. Well, now I take that back. I did have to work the next day. But <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, it was late in the afternoon, and I don't have hangovers. So I was like, well, fuck it. Yeah, I, that, that's that's the same with me. The the the, the non hangover thing. No matter how drunk I've gotten in the past, and I think you remember that video I posted at the forums a long time ago, um, or maybe not a long time ago, maybe like two years ago or something, where I did that entire bottle of gin, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't hungover from that. It just seems like I cannot get a hangover. And I know some people are considering that a challenge because... Uh, I haven't mentioned it before, but I will mention it here. Uh, coming up in March, I believe it's St. Patrick's Day weekend, um, there's C2E2, the comic book convention that's here in Chicago. It's at McCormick Place. Um, a whole bunch of Earth2.net forum members are coming into town as like an unofficial, official Earth2.net get-together. And I, th- I think over at, at the site... I think it was it Preston took it as a challenge when I had said I never get hungover. <laughs> um, so, but it's it's not meant to be a challenge. It's just a fact. I just I just don't. I wake up the next morning fine, 
You know, and sometimes we're only talking on like five or six hours of sleep too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. I actually, I wanted to uh, do one of my intros where I just kind of deviate from what we normally do, like okay. what I did with the we we are not the evil egg people who stole your waffles thing. Oh, yeah, I yeah. was gonna be like, hi, my name is James. It's been ten days since my last drink, <laughs> and this is Michael Sims. <laughs> who it's been 12 hours since his last drink <laughs> well yeah there you go <laughs> you could have chimed in with that so okay that let's say 24 hours not 12 24 24 <laughs> and i'll be having some more tomorrow as of this recording so because it's valentine's day so mm-hmm. um we're gonna we're gonna have a little champagne i believe yep. yes yep I, she's looking over at me now smiling saying yes <laughs> <laughs> i i should have gotten some but it's sunday and can't buy alcohol on sundays in georgia Oh, you got, what are those called, Blue Laws or something like that? Yeah, whatever they're called. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Yeah, Illinois, I don't know if it's a nationwide thing or in Illinois, I don't think you can buy cars on Sunday because of those laws. And it's like, really? That's weird. But whatever. I don't know. Nor I. Okay, let's see. First one today is from Layla, who writes, Hey, Mike and Jim, in a rush today, so I'll make this short, sweet, and to the point. What do you think of the following superhero media news? Uh, has Mike seen Green Hornet? Because I want to rant. Um, yeah, I'm just going to hit these one at okay. a time. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, I've not seen Green Hornet. I'll probably wait till it comes on DVD. I don't expect it to be good. Um, and that's not just because I am a Green Hornet fan. I just look at those trailers and I don't expect it to be good. Um, but I will, at the very least, get it from Netflix or get it from the Redbox once it's out. James, have you seen it? Do you intend to see it? Uh, I intend to see it, just like you on DVD. Yeah, yeah. All right. X-Men First Class Pictures. Okay. The pictures, they, they looked okay, you know, and I really was going to skip this one. I still haven't seen the Wolverine movie, you know. But then I saw the trailer, which came out last week. And now I'm going to see that movie in the theaters. James, have you seen the trailer for X-Men First Class yet? I've seen almost nothing of this movie, pictures or trailers. The only thing I've seen is a picture of, I guess, young Magneto, uh, which I thought looked ridiculous, frankly. But uh, Okay. Uh, what about it made, it made you think it was ridiculous? Oh, was he in the yellow and blue suit with the helmet? Well, he had the helmet on. It was just like a, a headshot, I think. And yeah. I just think, eh, it just looks really silly. Yeah, no, and I, I understand that, but... The, the the effects look good, and what little bits of drama they showed in the trailer, like Charles talking to Eric, you know, Professor X talking to Magneto, um, the actors were selling it for me. They really were. So I really am going to see this one in the theaters. And previously, I really wasn't going to give it the time of day. So fingers crossed that it's good. As long as it's better than X-Men 3... I'll be happy. I don't expect it. I don't expect it to be as good as um, the second X Men movie because that is like one of the best superhero comic book movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as it's better than X Three, I'll be good with it. All right. Uh, the Captain America and Spider Man costumes for the upcoming movies. I don't see why people have a problem with the Captain America costume. It, you know, in still images, it looks good. We've had that teaser trailer which came out during the Super Bowl. It looks good there. Um, yeah, I, I like the Cap costume. And the Spider-Man one, I need to see it in motion. Um, it doesn't look like the classic costume, so I have to get past that. And I think I have. But again, I definitely want to see it in motion before I pass judgment on that. Have you seen either of those two costumes, James? Uh, I've seen the Captain America costume, and I'm I'm 
excited. I like that costume. Uh-huh. Uh, I have not seen the Spidey reboot costume. Is it really any different than normal it, Spider-Man? It is. It is. It's um. The only way I can describe it is, like, streamlined. Um, You know how he's got the red all over him on the top? Mm -hmm. Like, and, yeah, just streamlined. I just have to use that word again. Anne Hathaway and Tom Hardy in Dark Knight Rises. We've already addressed that in our last episode, so just go back and listen to that. Um, Nick G's Wonder Woman series being picked up by NBC. I have not been following this news at all. Um, I had no idea Mick G was behind it. Um, I mean, I did hear that their basic premise was Diana Prince owns a company and she's got this power and she has to deal with it. Well, that's Power Girl. That's what they're doing with Power Girl right now. So I don't get why they, oh, I know why they're not going with Power Girl because people will be like, who's Power Girl? And Wonder Woman sells, you know, when Power Girl wouldn't. But I don't know why they just can't give her her own origin. I, I, I don't know. Um... But, I'll, you know, if it's on TV, I'll give an episode or two a chance. I won't judge it too harshly before it even starts filming, before I see it. You know, l- l- let's give it all a chance. And yeah. finally, Henry Cavill as Superman. Um, I think we spoke about that last time, too. I think we both said we have no idea who the hell he is. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. No thoughts. Thank you, Layla. Uh Next one is from Aaron, who writes, Hey guys, uh, my view on the DCAU continuity is this. There is a version of the Teen Titans in the Justice League universe, and there is a version of the Justice League in the Teen Titans universe. Those two universes, however, as shown in the respective TV series, are not the same. Very similar events may have occurred, but a lot of things don't perfectly line up. I figure that Teen Titans exists somewhere in the DCAU's multiverse. Uh, also, Far From Home was intended to be a potential backdoor pilot for the Legion of Superheroes animated series, so Supergirl's story with the Legion would have picked up where we left off with her in the JLU. This might explain why there wasn't much Legion in the episode. They were about to get an entire TV series devoted to them. However, the Legion series was reworked as a non-DCAU show that focused on Superboy rather than Supergirl, as in the original comics, so the idea never panned out. As a fan of the Legion and of Kara Zor-El, I personally liked Far From Home a lot, anyway. Sure, we don't get to see a lot of the actual Legion, but it was still a cool story with a ton of great cameos. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to... You know, I I appreciate you writing in and trying to explain the continuity thing, but at episode 98, sorry, I'm just (laughs) not going (laughs) to... I'm not going to argue the point anymore. I mean, yeah, I joked last time with the whole suck it again, you know, but I mean... We've earned that right. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just clear after almost 100 episodes that we're just not going to see eye to eye on this one, guys, you know. Um, So, you know, I appreciate that you guys have your theories, and I hope you appreciate that we do think it's in continuity, um, and we just have to leave it at that. I mean, I think I've said this on the air. Maybe I just said it at the forums, but the fact of the matter is if we didn't cover Teen Titans, this show would have ended 13 episodes early. It'd be over. You wouldn't be hearing this right now. So even if you hate Teen Titans, even if you think it's not in continuity, you have to, at the very least, thank it because it prolonged this series, this series, WFP, by an extra half a year, by an extra six-ish months. So six months? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, six months. So there you go. Mm Mm-hmm. Next one is from Demetri, who writes, Greetings to you, Mike and James. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to correspond with you ever since the Batman Beyond coverage times, but have been your devoted listener throughout this long journey. It's sad that you're almost finished with the Timbers. But at least, thanks to Chris Nolan, we still have you until 2012 to finish up the Dark Knight films. 
While listening to your review of ancient history, one idea had crossed my mind. The way Hawkgirl comes up to Batman and asks to tell me about my son is exactly the same way Sarah Connor asks Kyle Reese to tell her about her son John in the 1984 Terminator film. That said, if if in that movie Reese impregnates Sarah and makes certain that the future Resistance leader is born, can we assume that to ensure that Warhawk is born, Hawkgirl can make it happen without GL's participation? It's a very drunken idea, but I thought it'd be fun to hear your comments on it. Cheers to your health. And P.S. James Remar played uh, Raiden, not Shao Kahn, but it still doesn't condone his atrocious portrayal. Thank you. I tried to forget that movie exists, so thank you for <laughs> correcting me. You know, there's an interesting bit of fan fiction that could be written there. What's to say Shaira accidentally, mind you, doesn't time travel back to a point where her and Green Lantern were still dating? has sex with John just because she still has feelings with him and, you know, he thinks it's his current Shaira. She gets pregnant, unknowingly she's pregnant, goes back to her own time, and, uh-oh, there's Warhawk. There's there's a little bit of fan fiction in that, <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 it's very true that the whole tell-me-about-my-son thing is very much uh, similar to what was going on in the first Terminator film. Um Surprised I didn't pick up on that uh, when she said it. Um, but I thank you for writing in and uh, pointing it out, because I feel like slapping my head and going, duh! <laughs> All right, next one is from Matthew, who writes, uh, this is uh, actually kind of a spoiler for the Batman Beyond comic miniseries from last year. Oh, that's year. okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he was just wondering, it says, I was just wondering what you guys thought of the recent Batman Beyond miniseries, specifically the deaths of major Batman Beyond rogues, Mad Stan. No! <laughs> and more importantly, what you thought of the Nightwing Batman Fallout revelation. I haven't followed this series. I, I kind of wish I had, even if it is as bad as a lot of people have said it is, I wish I could have like read some of it to actually see this, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I... I haven't read it at all. Um, I, I think I read the first issue, maybe, and skimmed the second. I don't know. Um, I know the ongoing, I think, just started or is about to start. I, I, I honestly couldn't care less about it. To me, what little I've heard of it, it just seems like the creative team never read Batman Beyond. They just have, like, or not read, watched Soft. Batman Beyond, yeah. And they just have a basic understanding of who the characters are from bios. And I could be completely wrong. They could be big fans of it, but that's just what I've heard. You know, that's not me saying it. It's me repeating what I've heard. It, it just seems like everything I hear about it is just wrong. It just doesn't get it. Um, but I'm ignoring it, so whatever. I don't care. I really don't. Uh, P.S. I know it's late in the game by now, but if you do another podcast of this ilk, work on not spoiling later plot points when reviewing yeah. a series episode by episode. I haven't seen most of the JLU episodes and epilogues, specifically Bruce Wayne as Terry's father, and was completely spoiled back in episode 43. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Um, all apologies. You know, we weren't thinking. We just assumed that everybody who was listening to our show had seen everything in the DCAU. And that's obviously not the case. Um, if James and I do another podcast down the line, or even in our own separate endeavors in the future, um, we'll try not to do that. Or if we do, we'll definitely try to put spoiler warnings in there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. 
Next one is from Michael, who writes, Hey guys, just a few things I'd like to say. Listening to Andrea Romano explain what they wanted to accomplish in their movie Wonder Woman was very interesting. She said she wanted to encourage young girls to be strong and confident, and though they do this, I find it interesting all the crude comments that come out of uh, people's mouths. They discuss Wonder Woman's rack for half the movie. Well, that's an exaggeration, but I guess I guess it did its job. Uh, two, I have no local comic book stores except for Kohl's, which is brutal, so if I want any, I must order them. Same goes for DVDs. I'm forced to order off Amazon. So I was shopping on Amazon, uh, the Canadian Amazon, when I saw that Batman the Animated Series Volume 4 was $44. Uh, I checked the US Amazon.com and they were all $20. You lucky <laughs> Americans. <laughs> uh, and three, it is within DC, so will we be seeing a Watchmen review, or is there one already? I think many fans would enjoy this. Um, Watchmen is not part of the DC universe. They publish the comic, but it's not in line. You know, it's not in the same Superman, Batman universe. I think it might now sort of, kind of, maybe be loosely connected with the whole 52 multiverse thing they got going on. But it's, it's not part of the universe. Uh, will there be a review of it? Probably not. At, I mean, there were plans to review the comic for, like, episode 100 of Earth 2.net at the show way back in the day. And then episode 200 and 300. It just always fell through. Um, you know, the movie came out, what, a year, year and a half ago now. It wasn't covered back then. I just don't ever see us really getting to it. Um, if you want my thoughts, you know, the comic's a classic. And the movie, I thought it did a good job capturing the movie, or capturing the comic. It had the, you know, Zack Snyder-isms in it, um, which did confuse things, because, you know, this world's supposed to have only one super-powered being, that being Dr. Manhattan, and all these people are punching through walls and, you know, doing bullet-time trickery. That was a little off. I think he missed the mark there. But overall, I think it was a good, entertaining film, and I think he did the best he could, given the amount of time he had. You know, ultimately, it should have been a 10 to 12 part, like, HBO or Showtime series. But for a three-hour movie, yeah, I give him credit. I absolutely do. I, You know, I'd give it, like, easily three out of five stars or something like that. Yeah, so there you go. Um, you know, Earth 2 at the show, uh, its its sponsors are DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com, um, where you can get... I'm trying to do it without the cheat sheet in front of me. I've only they've only been the sponsors for like the entire length of the show, and I can't remember right now. I think it's 38% off um, trade paperbacks and graphic novels at InStockTrades.com, and up to 75% off your monthly comics at DCBService.com. And I do believe they ship to Canada, so definitely check them out. Um, if I didn't believe in them, I wouldn't have them as the sponsor of Earth Student the Show for the amount of time I have. So that doesn't help you with your DVDs, but it very well, very much will help you with your comics. Next one is from Robert, who writes, Hello, guys. I've been a long-time listener of the show for uh, about a year now, and I love what you've done with the show. I just wish the theme song changed with each show. <laughs> Thank you, sir! <laughs> it's been a long time since we got something. We got a thing about that. Yeah, I know. See, yeah, that's, that, that's definitely, definitely been... The wording is going to sound harsher than it is, but that, that's definitely been a point of contention between myself and James, <laughs> pulling the curtain back a little. It's not like James is like, I'm going to quit, but it, he's definitely made it known that he wanted the theme to change all along, and I put my foot down. I was like, no, it Well, Mike does, Mike does all the, the hard work with editing and everything, so it is his call, but I can still register my, my opinion on the matter. Yeah, yeah. And there's a part of me 
that looking back maybe thinks I should have done that, but, you know, the decision was made, and that's the way it is, so that's the way it's forever going to be, but, yeah, yeah. And honestly, my, uh, and I said this a long time ago, last time we got an email like this, I I thought that uh, the Batman Superman Adventures Mm -hmm. theme, which, you know, melded the Batman and the Superman themes together, I thought that was brilliant, uh, scoring, so I, I wish we could have used that at some point too. Yeah, because I yeah. think it's it, it's kind of cool that it has the the first two characters really of the DCAU, the you know Batman and Superman. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's neither here nor there now. We're on episode ninety eight, so yeah, <laughs> it's all good. All right, um, my favorite scorer from the DCAU is from Mask of the Phantasm. So my question is, uh, if you had to pick your favorite music used in all the DCAU, what would it have been? I Pretty much already said what mine is. It was the Batman Superman theme. I thought that was so awesome. It would probably be followed very closely by the the, the original Justice League theme from the first two seasons. Um, Batman the Animated Series, obviously, um, is just classic, and it's it just it gets your adrenaline pumping. Literally, you know, um, you hear those first few notes, and you're like, yeah, yeah, and you know, especially, not just the music itself, but, you know, especially when you couple it with that really awesome intro um, and just the style it was done in is just perfect for me. Um, but I also really liked the Batman Beyond theme. Um, and I mean, I liked all the music, but those two are probably my favorites, I think. Uh, Batman Beyond because it was so different than anything they had done and anything they would do. Um, from that point forward, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, next one is from Ben, who writes, Hey, guys, just a quick question. If Superman's homeworld Krypton was made out of kryptonite and he was not hurt by the kryptonite there, how come it hurts him on Earth? Thank you. Love the podcast, Ben. Yeah, I think... I think what's happening is I th- when Krypton exploded... And s- someone please write in if... if this is wrong, and if, and if you know the actual answer. But I could swear I've seen themed things that basically said either when it exploded or when the kryptonite entered our atmosphere, something with the radiation, like if, it, if it's when the planet exploded, like the amount of sheer energy and radiation that happened uh, changed the structure of the rocks, or again, when the rocks got into our atmosphere or got near our sun, again, that changed the nature of the rocks and make them deadly to Kryptonians. I'm almost um, positive that it is the yellow sun radiation from yeah. in our atmosphere changed its uh, chemical composition or yeah, that, or whatever. that's what I thought it was. I mean, you know, you know, so of course that's why when Kryptonians are on their planet, nothing's wrong with them because it's you know. <laughs> You know, it hasn't been exposed to whatever radiation um, that that makes it deadly. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next one is from Angela, who writes, I was able to listen to your last two episodes on the day that they came out. I did skip the shows that I don't have the DVDs for, i.e. Static Shock, Zeta, and The Titans. But for Teen Titans, however, I've recently ordered the first season. In part, this is because of the fact that between the time the show aired and now... And now I began reading the Teen Titans books and have really enjoyed them, and also in part to your enthusiasm about the show. I loved your review of The Great Brain Robbery. It's one of the best episodes in the whole of the DCAU. Yeah. You you did have a problem with Luthor knowing how to use Flash's powers immediately, and I think you have a good point. 
there are way too many examples of people just automatically knowing how to use new powers, and it just makes no sense. However, if you don't mind, I have a defense to the specific instance. My first suggestion would be that Luthor has studied Flash's powers before. Luthor has been battling the Justice League for what seems like forever now, and being being Luthor, I would suspect that he uh, is the type of person who would learn as much as possible about the people he considers a threat. This would be especially true for those with superpowers. I would think that Luthor would plan for every scenario and every way that uh, they could use their powers against him in order to plan his counterattacks. And my second defense is that Luthor didn't really gain powers. He got stuck in someone else's body who already had powers. Wally has had powers since he was a kid sidekick, and in order to act fast enough to save lives... Wally has to be able to move without thinking, so his body is conditioned to use his powers automatically. And since Luthor is in Wally's body, the muscle memory from all his training would still be there. And speaking of Flash's career as a kid sidekick, I was surprised you didn't mention more about the conversation that Flash has with the elongated man during the episode The Ties That Bind. Flash, in the conversation, complains about being treated like a teenage sidekick. This implies to mm. me, at least, that Wally has first-hand knowledge about this since he started off as Kid Flash in the DCAU. Also, I love the fact that it is Elongated Man and Flash having a nice little scene together, since the two are traditionally pretty close friends in the book. Elongated Man was first introduced in the Flash's book, uh, though it was Barry, not Wally. So I can't wait for your next show, and I'm especially interested in hearing your thoughts on the episode epilogue. Have a great day. Yeah, good catch there with the the sidekick line. I so didn't pick up on that. Um, as for the, you know, you know, when it comes to the powers. Uh, I, I, I still just have a rough time with... Okay, look, Luthor knowing how to run fast is one thing, because he's just going to start running, and, oh, my God, my legs are moving at light speed. You know, that I get, but, you know, knowing how to vibrate through things and cause tornadoes, and then, again, teaching himself how to fly or whatever he did at that end of the at the end of that episode, that's what I'm taking issue with. Um, and I, I don't think you can chalk it up to, like muscle memory because Luthor, I mean, his brain has just been put into Wally's body. You know, he'd have to, I I still think he'd have to know how to learn how to use those powers. And you can't just say that's muscle memory. It's muscle memory for Wally, not for Luthor. All right. Uh, We have a couple of voicemails here. Yes, we do. Hi, Mike and James. It's Dave from Connecticut. I'm calling because I have recently come across some information answering the age-old question, where is Gotham City in the United States? And I was watching Young Justice the other night, and they had a map. And it had uh, Gotham City placed in southern, southeast, or southwest Connecticut, around where Bridgeport or New Haven is. Uh, Keep up good work on the podcast. Sorry to hear you guys go. Bye. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but keep in mind, Gotham City, uh, not, yeah, Gotham City, it does tend to move around depending on where the producers of the various shows need it. So for Young Justice, it's in Connecticut. In Batman the Animated Series, what did that dude's license, uh, driver's license say? New York or New Jersey? Yeah, something like that. Something I- like that. So, uh, you know, I think in the comics it is supposed to be Jersey. So it, 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 it's East Coast. It's always East Coast. But, yeah, you know, we, we, we can never actually lock it down. So, you know, but it is it is good to know that in Young Justice, they've definitely put it in Connecticut there. And the next one's from Tom. Hello, gentlemen. It is I, Tom DJ, responding to the calls. You need to just, like, create a sounder, like a Tom signal. 
because it's, you know, it's just so I know when I need it. But okay, uh, in response to episode 97 of uh, World's Finest Podcast. Uh, first off, uh, something that you did not ask me to clarify. Um, the uh, Wade Ealing in Patriot, which is actually my favorite uh, episode of the season, because I, I'm such a big fan of the Seven Soldiers, and uh, particularly what in the DCAU, the whole vigilante, uh, shining knight uh, dynamic. Um, and I, I, yeah, I agree. I want I want a uh, miniseries with uh, the vigilante and the shining knight. But um, Wade Ealing turns into a ca- an actual character in the DCAU. He's never mentioned by this name in the comics. Not in the comics. He's never mentioned this name in the, in the episode. But he's, he's turned into a character called the Shaggy Man, who was a relatively big Justice League villain throughout the 60s and 70s before Ealing took the body of the Shaggy Man. The whole deal about the Shaggy Man is that he's indestructible. He cannot be destroyed. He's just big, super strong, and you can't kill him. Um, in, in the classic um, Grant Morrison uh, episode that introduced the Justice League of Evil, or what the heck did they call that, that thing that uh, Lex Luthor headed, Wade Ealing had his brain transplanted into the Shaggy Man and became, he was known simply as the general from then on. But that's who he is. He's not a, the, as you put it, Hulk slash Doomsday ripoff thing. Um, the Vigilante. To address uh, your your question for me, number one, the vigilante in the modern day, in the quote unquote Earth Two continuity, is not a displaced cowboy from the Wild West. But what he is is he is a movie star from Hollywood whose popularity was playing a singing cowboy character, who when his manager was killed decided to take up the mantle of the vigilante to avenge his friend's death and liked it and decided to continue being a hero. So that answers the one question. And that's why he's, he's runs around on a motorcycle instead of a horse. Um, the other question you asked me, the shadow thief. James is a lot closer than uh, you think. Basically what um, John did in uh, ancient history is kind of spliced together a whole shitload and crap of uh, Hawkman history. The Shadow Thief is actually just a very good thief who ran, got a hold of a device that allowed him to shift between dimensions. And when he shifted out of our dimension into the other dimension, he was a shadow. And uh, what he did was he kind of fused that together with Hatset, who was the, the main villain from the Hawkman of the World War uh, of the Golden Age, and just, like, mixed it all together in a big old stewy thing. So there is your answers. Like I said, you've got to work on that Tom signal. And I guess, oh, I will. And by the way, for the record, you were wrong. My, in, what, in my opinion, is the greatest, you, although you did cite the, the quote, the greatest quote in the history of the DCAU is, I have no idea who this is. I just never that never fails to crack me up because of the way that uh, he just deadpans that line, and I love the fact that you've got Michael Rosenblum doing Clancy Brown doing Michael Rosenblum. 
on one end, and you've got Clancy Brown doing Michael Rose, doing Michael Rose, doing Michael Rose, doing Clancy Brown on the other. It's like there's so many different layers of their voice talents in that episode that I just absolutely adore. But anyway, there you go. I will talk to you later. I'm sure I will when you send up that signal again. Peace. So yeah, I mean, this is episode 98, but I I, I do feel bad that we didn't have a. Uh a Tom DJ signal, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> whenever we needed him. We just had to kind of call him out and been like, Tom, do you hear us? Hear us? Hear the the, us? the yeah. red phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, that, that's one of the things I've, I've really loved about WFP is, uh, you know, we could always put the call out to our fans, sometimes specifically, you know, to specific people, like we have Tom uh, last episode and previous episodes, and sometimes just in general. You know, and they'll write in or they'll call in and be like, no, this is what you got wrong. This is what you got right. These are the little bits of continuity that you didn't know about, blah, 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 blah. And, and they help us out. So, you know, thank you guys for doing that. And specifically, thank you to Tom here, um, you know, for, for letting us know that, you know, uh, General Eiling, you know, really wasn't a Hulk, Doomsday, Bane, Wolverine, whatever we called him, ripoff, um, that, that he was a real character from the comics because I didn't know that. Um, you know, same with the, the vigilante thing about him being a movie star and not, cause I had said, I, I thought maybe he was a time displaced cowboy. Um, you know, but no, no, just, just a movie star. So that's cool. Um, let's see. And, and of course you're right, Tom, uh, that, that is a great line and I can see why, um, it's your favorite. The whole, I have no idea who this is. That is so classic because it really is the look on, Wally slash Luthor's face in that moment, just like, oh my god, you know? Because you know if he had gotten into Batman's body or Superman's body, he would have figured it out, but Wally's just so unassuming. I mean, he's just he's out of his costume, I hate to say it, he's not anybody important, you know? He's not a billionaire. He's not an ace reporter uh, who, who Luthor has seen face to face. He's just some ginger schlub, you know? <laughs> So yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, before we get into the three episodes we're going to cover today, I want to remind people that um, you know if you want to get your episode 100 emails in, you can start sending them in early. I've got a subfolder in my uh, email box dedicated to all those emails. We've gotten a good amount already, but keep sending them in. Um, I'll, I'll try to make this announcement at the again at the end of this episode. Um, to remind you, but just in case I forget, uh, maybe make yourself a note. You know, if you want to uh, send in your thoughts about the DCAU, World's Finest Podcast as a whole, or just whatever. I mean, it'll be your last time to really ask us questions. So uh, definitely start sending those emails in. Let's stop it. You will blow us all to pieces. Not now, woman. Something's happening. It's... It's just one more steaming flop. Baby. Nothing works. Let's forget bringing Big Brain here. I don't need input from some crystal-gazing parasite, one who's confused a wench's grip on power with the real thing. 
This is the real troublemaker for us. It's pure vile goose chase. Look, I will prove it. I will show you what is in there. Don't be stupid. This is science. What good is your sorcery? Unless you plan to turn stone into gold, or maybe a frog? Such ignorance. Transmutation is what you want to do. Transmutation is... What are you waiting for? Do it! Okay! Okay! By the slaughter of the innocent, by pustulance and play, reveal the hidden unto me. There, you see? Just a rock. A worthless piece of... Oh. What? It's not important. Show me! Critical system failure in three seconds. Two seconds. One second. in the universe. There is no way to tell where it happened. Wrong. I saw enough of those stars to determine the explosion's coordinates. It should be a simple matter. You saw the wild goose again. Concentrate on us, baby. Space is too far. Together, we can rule this world. If you like this world so much, keep your fool mouth shut. And maybe I'll let you keep it. Me. I'm going to be a god again. And the first of the last three episodes is Alive. In this one, Luthor is again trying to resurrect Brainiac. And once again, it results in a steaming pile of failure. <laughs> so he starts taking it out on Tala, saying that sorcery and magic can't hold a candle to science. And Tala says, oh, contraire, Baldi. And she uses her powers to see that there is still Brainiac in the universe. And we get visions of when the, uh, the Brainiac meteor exploded in the episode Twilight. And Luthor is overjoyed, and he says that he can trace the remnants of Brainiac simply by using his eidetic memory to map the stars around it. And Tyler's like, baby, it's the wild goose chase again. Concentrate on us, baby. Together we can rule this world. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Hi, Ian. <laughs> uh, so Luther then tells her to shut the hell up, and maybe she can keep this world if she does. And Luthor then commands the entire Legion of Doom to rebuild the fortress into something else entirely. And when they're finally done, uh, Luthor says that you all are the lucky few. You will be Brainiac Luthor's lieutenants in remaking the universe. And Luthor also says that if anyone has any objections, you might want to speak now. But if you do, you better remember what happened to poor Goldface. So he presses the button on his belt, and Goldface's face is burned to hell. Hmm. And he says that he's more powerful than all of them put together, so fucking deal with it. <laughs> and uh, he then presses a button on a remote, and uh, the fortress lifts out of the swamp and starts flying into space. And Luthor says he reconfigured Grodd's cloaking field into a hyperspatial drive. So they go into hyperspace. And Grodd, meanwhile, is like, why is my fortress moving? <laughs> and Tala, Tala walks in and says, look, okay, I've had it with Luthor. I want things the way they were. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. 
I want things the way they were. <laughs> and, uh, Stop it. <laughs> Grodd is pleased, and uh, Luthor is on the bridge and tells Toy Man to keep them steady or they're dead meat. And Grodd blasts his way in and says, oh, I wouldn't worry about it, Neanderthal. The way I see it, you're dead either way. So uh, a massive battle begins between uh, the mutineers uh, and the Luthor loyalists. And uh, several minutes pass, and uh, Tala corners... Uh, Luthor on a scaffolding and tries to blast him, but he has this mystic force field, thanks to some pendant around his neck, that redirects the blast uh, back to her, knocking her out. So, uh, back on the ground, uh, Luthor is about to hit somebody with a fire extinguisher, uh, and uh, Grodd shoots at Luthor, but uh, Luthor runs away into the docking bay and hides, and Grodd tells him to show himself, and uh, Luthor now has some kind of gauntlets that protect him from energy blasts. So Grodd's like, ah, hell, I wanted to snap your neck with my bare hands anyway. So so he starts beating the piss out of Luthor. <laughs> Luthor tries the only thing he can, mind games. And he finally gets Grodd to use his mental powers and presses that that uh, trusty old belt button again. And it redirects his uh, mind waves right back at him to where now Luthor has control over Grodd. And he forces him to bow down to him and to walk right into an airlock. And Luthor mocks him again and... Uh, mashes the button, sending him out into the depths of space. Uh, so Luthor gathers the mutineers in a room and asks if they can give him one good reason to let them live. So Killer Frost just com- calmly walks out from the pack and, without saying a word, blasts all the others with her ice powers, freezing them into a solid uh, ice cube. And Luthor is impressed and lets her rejoin the group. So uh, we're back, uh, and Toyman uh, announces that they're at their destination. So Tala's begging for a life, and says, and Luther says, "I never trusted magic before, but you've really made me see the error of my ways. Uh, you're, you are the mystic conduit that's going to draw the brainiac essence from the debris in space here." And uh, so Tala's strapped into this contraption, and Luthor tells Toyman to activate it, but before he can, time is stopped, and we see none other than Metron. Uh, who, who says, uh, he cannot hear you, Lex Luthor, uh, because I have to stop time. And uh, Luthor's like, or, or he, sorry, Metron says that uh, what you're about to do will threaten the entire universe, past, present, and future. And Luthor, Luthor's like, oh, well, exactly, that's kind of what I want to do. And um, he's like, uh, so look, I don't, give, I don't give a flying fuck who you are. If you want my power, make your move. Otherwise, you can uh, just beat it. And uh, Metron warns him again that what you, you know you will regret your decision today everybody will and time once uh, again restarts and toy man pulls the lever and uh this contraption starts to activate and uh, suck in all these meteorites and stuff from space and when it is all done it is not brainiac in this device but it is dark side oh and <laughs> luthor shits his pants <laughs> and Darkseid just says, it seems I have you to thank for my resurrection. And even though I'm going to annihilate your world, I'll grant you a quick death as thanks. So the the entire uh, headquarters is just blasted into a million pieces. Um, and we come back from, I, I guess this was where a commercial break was at, uh, when it actually um, showed on TV the first time. But yeah. we come back, um, we're on Apocalypse, and there's about to be an all-out war for to finally see who will seize power and at, before any of them can attack each other 
dark side uh, teleports back on, or uses a boom to whatever he does, back onto the planet. And he says, let this uh, power struggle end because I have returned, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he's like, I'm going to re- you know, restart my search for the anti-life equation, but first I'm going to destroy Earth. Superman will suffer for killing me. And uh, he also says that after he's done with Earth, he's going to go to New Genesis and annihilate it too. No, he actually says um, he's going to do New Genesis first. Because I think uh, one of his, I forget the lackey's name. Canto? Maybe, yeah. He's he's like, but if you attack Earth, uh, you know, that'll break our treaty with New Genesis. And he says, where do you think I'm going first? Or no, next? He says next, which I take I took to mean that after Earth, he's going to New Genesis. Okay, I took it to mean New Genesis, then Earth. But okay, okay. Because that was something I was going to ask you. Do you know? Do you think he had wiped out New Genesis or at least crippled them before he took out Earth? But I could see what you're saying there, and I can't necessarily really disagree with it now that I think it through. Yeah. yeah. But um, either way, now for the the final scene of this episode, where we go to Earth at the Metro Tower, and one of the uh, just uh, workers there uh, runs in frantically and tells Superman to get outside quick and. Uh, he does, along with a group of Justice Leaguers, and we see that the the bad guys are all standing on the doorstep of the Metro Tower, and Luthor just says, we have a slight problem. <laughs> That's where it ends. Yeah. yeah. Well, sir, what do you think? I, I don't know where to begin with this one. Um, I have a ton of notes, don't get me wrong. I mean, this and the next one, Destroyer, yeah might be the two episodes, the two single episodes I have ever taken the most notes on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I honestly don't know where to begin with this one. Um, It's this and the next one really are just big fight episodes. Yep. But there's a ton of character development, a ton of plot development in them, it's bringing the entire Justice League and Justice League Unlimited era of World's Finest Podcast, of World's Finest Podcast, excuse me, of the, <laughs> of the DCAU to a close. Um, it is wrapping everything up. So many villains are wiped out. I mean, in that scene where Killer Frost saves herself, um, amongst others, she kills the Shade, the Weather Wizard, Parasite, and Rampage. They're dead. Um, after Darkseid destroys the ship, um, I mean, really, who's left? you got the Flaming Skull guy. You've got Giganta, or whatever her name is, Luthor. Is Bizarro there? Bizarro's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sinestro. Uh, Sinestro, Star Sapphire, and there's probably one or two more, but, the, oh, Toyman is there, Killer Frost is there, but that's really it. For, for all of, like, pretty much all of the villains in the DCAU, they're dead. You know, that's all that remains. Um, I mean, this this episode, it's just... Uh, I don't know, I just I just have no words. I mean, it's, it's ballsy what they get away with, all this death and destruction. Uh, the Justice League is only in it for less than, literally, I think it's 28 seconds, is how long they're in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have it entirely focused on the Legion of Doom... Um, you know, especially as the first part of the final two episodes is is gutsy, and they got away with it. They made it work because they needed it to be about them, more specifically about Luthor and finishing up his quest for Brainiac 
and you know bringing back dark side which i have to say and i know i'm gushing here and i'll, I'll turn the mic over to you in a minute but <laughs> I, I really have to say i think bringing back dark side is one of the biggest swerves they've ever done in the dcau i remember when i first saw this i was like okay Dar- uh, brainiac's back <gasps> and i gasped just like luthor and all of his supervillain minions did mm-hmm. i did not see that coming it was a very pleasant surprise i mean i really don't know if this two-parter got any, or excuse me, the first part of this two-parter got anything wrong. I, I honestly, off the top of my head and looking at my notes, I don't see anything. Um, but again, that's me gushing. What about you? Can I just keep gushing? Yeah, go <laughs> now, for it. Now, the moment where we see Darkseid's eyes and then <laughs> immediately after Luthor's just... <laughs> is one of my most favorite Justice League moments. Uh-huh. Maybe DCAU moments in general. Yeah. Because holy shit, <laughs> holy shit, it, it's actually pretty amazing. If Tala doesn't outwardly express that one speck of interest in Brainiac's remnants out in the middle of nowhere, because she's just like, there, see, it's just a rock, it, nothing but, oh, that's interesting. Oh, nothing. It was nothing. Yeah, yeah. If she doesn't do that, none of this shit happens. Yeah. None of yeah. it. So it's, we can blame this all on Tala. <laughs> Because <laughs> you think about it, she doesn't outwardly express that little speck of interest, then Luthor might never build the highest his spatial drive, travel yeah. out into space, resurrected Darkseid, and put the entire universe in dire jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. Good work, Tala. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. This thing is so awesome. The It's it's a really intense battle that goes on here, because um, I love that they got Grodd back in for uh, one last time, mm-hmm. and kind of the even though they didn't know if at this point if the uh, the show was going to continue, that they kind of left his his fate a little ambiguous because, you know, he just gets sucked out into space. But then we never see what happens after that. So maybe some alien craft picks him up from out in the middle of space somewhere and revives him or something. You never know. <laughs> they could have, because that, this left the door open, they could bring Grodd back at some point, uh, which I would not have minded at all, frankly. Mm. Um, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, we have argued about how long people can survive in space in the DCAU, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that we so have. he could still be floating out there because he's a super gorilla. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I I love Luthor throughout this whole thing. Just continuing to show that he doesn't, he's not scared of anybody except Darkseid, I guess. But um, yeah. <laughs> none of the people on this ship, he, he is not afraid of a single one of them. And he continues to express his dominance over all of them just by just by out of nowhere burning this guy's face off. Now, then again, though, he's back. Like once Grodd gets some cronies, what's his Goldface or whatever the hell his name is, is is back amongst Grodd and his goons. So I don't know what happened there. Yeah, he's still alive, but I mean, yeah, and I his face Maybe, isn't mutilated. I don't know. Well, it's. I don't know, because I, I don't know much about this character, if it's a, an actual comic character or not. But yeah, uh, it, 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 he has maybe he has a face underneath that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, I, you know, getting back to what you were saying about Grodd before, I mean, technically speaking, he could be alive, but you really have to just assume Luthor murdered him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, you know, we get Luthor murdering Grodd. Um, Luthor murders Tala. She disintegrates. And, and that scream of hers, every time I hear it, I get chills. Um, because it feels so... It feels real. 
it, it's not a voice, voice actress playing a part. It, it really seems like a woman screaming for her life. Um, so she, she's, she's got a good set of pipes on her there and really acted her ass off. Um, so, yeah, Luthor is just ruthless throughout this whole thing. And then when Darkseid comes back and you see how scared he is, and if you look behind Luthor, all of his minions are scared to shit too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it really does drive the point home that, you know, Darkseid is probably like the only guy in the universe that Luthor is afraid of. You know, he goes toe-to-toe with a gorilla that could have beat him to shit. You know, he goes toe-to-toe with a mystic woman that, had he not the amulet, she would have destroyed Luthor. You know, he's not scared of anybody, but Darkseid shows up, and uh (laughs) uh-oh, he's scared again. And I really think they got that across in two ways. One, the look on Luthor's face. Two, him going to the Justice League saying, I done fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, can you help us? You know, and he's got his own agenda, you know, of getting his revenge on Darkseid. But there's a small part of me that would like to think that Luthor does want to protect the Earth at the same time. Um, but I don't know. I could be wrong about that. You may disagree. But that's where I stand. Something I'm actually speaking of that uh, pendant or whatever Luthor mm-hmm. had, I want to... Uh, remember how the episode uh, this little piggy where Zatanna has that uh, that thing that she like steals back from the the shopkeep guy. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's what that was because it kind of looks like it. Luthor says you wouldn't believe what this cost me, and, and I think it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? And yeah, and Zatanna makes a joke in that episode about how or, or either she or the shopkeep does about how ex- uh, rare it is or something. I don't. It would be kind of cool if that was the same thing, and it was just it kind might of be. a subtle nod to that thing. Yeah, yeah, good catch there. But um, even still, I love that line, you wouldn't believe what this cost me. I would like to know what it cost him. <laughs> yeah. Did he sell his soul to something? Yeah, he might have. I mean, Luthor is not above that kind of shit, you know? Um, yeah, good one. Um, oh, i got to point out something Luthor did here. Um, in the beginning, after uh, he's scanning that piece of Brainiac that he's had all season, and nothing happens, and it fails again, um, he smashes a computer and it doesn't explode. I mean, there's sparks coming off of it, but is this the first time in the DCAU that a computer is smashed and it didn't, like, blow up an entire building? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> this episode is not in continuity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice. Very yeah. nice. Um, to answer your question, I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also want to say that Toy Man really redeems himself in this episode. I was going to ask you about that. What did you think about Toy Man here? He's a little badass in this. Um, and in the next one, too, we get a little Toy Man. Um, but I love him in this episode. I do. And, you know, this character, because of Static Shock, I really turned on him, you know. Um, but if I can forget that one episode of Static Shock and just remember him for like this, yeah, he was awesome. What about you? I I I have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like he headbutts uh, Killer Frost first off and yeah. cracks cracks his little <laughs> mask thing. Yeah. And uh, so that's his first point of badassery. Mm-hmm. And so then Killer Frost just is kind of hovering around him on her ice sled thing, and then he just kind of. He just casually flings his yo-yo at her and blows the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's just saying, he's just 
all he says is yo-yo trick names. Just like, yeah. Like, uh, Around the World and Rock the Cradle and Sleeper. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just beats the shit out of Killer Frost with a fucking yo-yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then that little creepy nursery rhyme he's singing when he's gonna pull the lever, uh, that essentially kills Tala and they think brings Dar- Brainiac back, but really brings Darkseid back. That was cool. Um, just his fascination with playing with the joysticks. Um, that dude, he might be one of the sickest people in the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Or at least in, in Superman's rogues gallery. You know, and I, I think this episode really demonstrates it. Toy Man seems yeah. to be more like a Batman villain, really. He does. He really does. He's got that... He's got that deep psychosis that Batman villains have, and Superman villains usually don't. Um, I would like to see that in the comics, see Batman. And if there are any comics that does have Batman go toe-to-toe with this toy man, uh, and there's anybody that can point them out to me, please do, because um, I would love to read them. I know Batman is allies with like the current toy man, which is like a super smart kid. Mm-hmm. Um, inventor guy, um, but I don't know if he's ever gone toe to toe with this kind of toy man before. Uh, there, there's got to be so much more to say about this one, so please continue. Um, Michael Ironside is back. Oh yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's <laughs> one of my absolute favorite voice actors throughout the DCAU, and he and besides his little thing with uh, the. The Dark Knight Returns in, in that Batman episode. Um, besides that, he's just played one character. Uh, and he, he, God, he brings such an awesome aura to that character. I cannot imagine anybody, anybody doing a better job with his voice than he did. And if, if they ever adapt, uh, Dark Side for a Superman movie, I certainly hope they get him to do his voice. Hell, even maybe Porch, I mean, if it's not some kind of CGI thing that they have to do, it just I hope he plays the character. Yeah, I think there's a way to do Darkseid live action um, without CGIing him, um, and Ironside I think could do it both in voice, in presence, in actual body, and st- I, I, I I think yeah, yeah he would be awesome. There's there's this one moment that I've I mean I've seen this episode I don't even know how many times but I never noticed it and it's so blatant. Okay, you know when uh, we cut to apocalypse and we see the two sides they're about to go to war and um, the Furies they're talking about how they're going to bring down the uh, what's his name uh, Vundabars yeah. right his side for for Granny goodness. Who's that really? Who's the the fury that looks like the creeper? It's like um, she. It looks like she's naked, but she just has stripes painted on her, and she walks right. like a cat. She she walks right up to the screen and just stares out. She's literally breaking the fourth wall. She's just looking at the viewer, never blinks. Her eyes never move. She's looking at us as one of the other furies is going on about how they're going to bring down Vundabar. I think that's I was Mad, like, Mad Harriet. That I mean, think I that's think? right, yeah. And I, I never noticed that before. And she's taking up like a third of the screen. But I always paid attention to the rest of the screen. And I was like, ugh, that's creepy. Go away, <laughs> go away, woman. <laughs> Especially when What's-Her-Face is, uh, I guess maybe that's Bernadette, is talking about uh, how she's going to bring 
Vrindabar's pestilent corpse to great yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. I love it. Yeah. Um, the last note I have, and I'm sure we can keep talking about this one, um, is, you know the code Luthor enters that is what opens the airlock yeah. that Grodd goes into? He enters 060669. Now, I had to look this one up. I'm not going to pretend like I knew this. Like, there's been other times where they've had codes, and I just knew instinctively what it meant. Mm-hmm. You know, like Robin's booking number from Teen Titans uh, Trouble in Tokyo. I just knew what that meant the second I saw it. This one, I knew the code had to mean something, and I looked it up. Supposedly, 060669, so the 6th of June, 1969, that was supposedly the day, the month, and the year that Warner Brothers was purchased by a company called Kinney, Nas- Kinney National Company. Yeah, Kinney National Company. And that company had already purchased... Uh, what we now call DC Comics. So that was basically the day DC Comics and Warner Brothers merged. Um, so that code, that date, is very important to the DCAU because if that company hadn't bought DC and then later Warner Brothers, we wouldn't have all these cartoons and movies that we have now, thanks to that merger. Uh, what else do you want to say about this one? I'm sure you've got more notes. Um, just a couple little things. Uh, when, uh, when Luthor says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, meet your new lord and master, uh, that was the same quote that, uh, Darkseid used in his very first appearance in, uh, oh, really? the DCAU in, this, in Superman. Ah, okay, yeah. I, I actually wanted to say that on the, there's a DVD special feature for this, and, uh, Dwayne McDuffie suggests, uh, that Tala deliberately manipulated her magic to, uh, resurrect Darkseid instead of Brainiac as a final Ooh. fuck you to Luthor, basically. I like that. Wow, okay. Okay, I could see her doing that. I mean, because she knows she's going to die in that moment. I mean, she's begging for her life before um, she gets put in the device. Um, she's begging for her life in it. And she's strong enough to the point where I bet she could do that. So I like that. That's very cool. You've got some nerve coming to us for help. Darkseid took Brainiac away from me. I can't hear his voice in my head anymore. Enough of the crazy talk, Lex. Darkseid said he was coming to Earth to destroy it. You guys are supposed to keep that from happening. We'll do just that, lady. Thanks for the heads up. And what about us? You're all going into holding cells. You think so? Ain't no way we're giving up without a- Watchtower to Metro Tower. We've got a situation. What's going on up there? Multiple hyperspatial incursions, but they're planet-side. I'm sending telemetry. Boom tubes. He's right. Can you hear it? Like thunder. Attention all Justice League personnel. This is an Omega level threat. Get to the javelins! No time! All members, prepare for emergency teleport. Send us first. Give the others a chance to get their pants on. You got it. Okay, let's get these people locked up. Sounds like we've got a fight on our hands. If you think you're locking us up while the whole world's under attack, you got two fights on your hands. She's got a point. We'll need all the bodies we can throw at this. 
Oh, come on. It's Lex Flippin' Luthor. Why should we trust him? Hey, it's our world, too. Let's be clear about this. We're not here to help you save the world. You're here to help me get revenge on Darkseid. When this is over, it's back to business as usual. Wouldn't have it any other way. You get all that? Yeah. You guys sure about this? Trust but verify. Put the bad guys on teams with regular leaguers. Search through the telemetry on the attack groups. Find the best protected mothership. That's where Darkseid will be. That's where I want to go. I imagine so. It's in Metropolis, hovering over the Daily Planet. Stand by. So the second part is Destroyer. Oh my God, where to begin with this one? Okay, so um, the, the Legion, they've shown up at the Metro Tower and they're all like, yeah, we screwed up. Um, and the League, specifically Superman, you know, they don't want to trust Luthor because, come on, it's Lex Flippin' Luthor. But at the end of the day, you know, they, they end up believing him because... Um, on the Watchtower, Mr. Terrific says that a whole bunch of boom tubes are opening up planet side, and you see all these apocalyptic forces flying through. So they're like, okay. And, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and a bunch of the leaguers, they want to put the members of the Legion of Doom in, in holding cells. And some of them are like, look, this is our planet too. You know, we might be crooks, but we don't want this kind of crap to happen. So, um, they team up in various ways, you know, leaguers with bad guys, um, to go out and, um, fight all the parademons and the ships and all this and that. And I should, and I should jump back just a little. And they do explain how Luthor and his crew, uh, were able to survive. What happened was at the last second, Sinestro, and I think Star Sapphire too, mm-hmm. yeah. um, put, put force bubbles around them, but they didn't have enough energy to get back to Earth. Well, when their ship exploded, it attracted the attention of, I think it was Light Ray, uh, yeah. one of the new gods. And um, they knocked him out, basically, and stole his boom tube device. And we don't know what happened to Light Ray. Yeah. We don't see him on Earth. I don't know if he can survive in space without his mother box. I don't know what his powers are. He may be dead. Um, we don't... You know, if there's anybody out there who knows more about Light Ray and the New Gods than we do, please write in and let us know if, if he could survive in space, because that's this is the last we see of him. Well, regardless, that's how they survived. Um, again, we're back in the Metro Tower, and, you know, they're, they're all getting teamed up, you know, with, uh, like I said, various members of the Legion of Doom, and at, at this point, it really does just become a huge fight scene from from this point until, like, the end of the episode, but basically what's happening is uh, James, and please correct me if I'm getting these wrong. Wonder Woman, a Shining Knight, and Star Sapphire. Star Sapphire. They're in uh, China, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they're fighting a whole bunch of uh, uh, parademons over the Great Wall. We'll come back to them. Um, Shaira, the Flaming Skull guy, and Commander Steel. I don't know if we know where they are. They might be in Metropolis. They're, no, they're at, they're at the White House. They're, they're in front Where of the White they? House. You're right. They were in front of the White House. 
Um, uh, we've got the question driving his car into parademons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got the Flash, Green Lantern, and Giganta. Yeah. Um, and they are, what they're doing is, um, there's these giant machines that are boring down into the center of the earth and it's figured out that if they get to the center of the earth, it's going to open up those, uh, what are they called? The fire pits, the, uh, uh, there's a name for, I thought there was another name for him though, but basically it's going to turn earth into another apocalypse. So they're trying to figure out how to get rid of them. Wally even jokes at one point, why, you know, to GL, why don't you shoot it into the sun? And Wally's like, okay, that was a bad idea. And GL was like, no, not quite. Um, so they figure out how to destroy some of those, but the main bulk of the action takes place in Metropolis. Superman tells, um, who's ever controlling the teleporter, probably Mr. Terrific, um, that they need to find the ship that is like the most heavily guarded or something. Cause that's where dark side will yep. be. What? Bat, well, that was Batman, but still Batman. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Batman, Superman and Luthor, they all get on a teleporter. They're, uh, teleported to the roof of the daily planet. They're taking out a whole bunch of parademons. Eventually, Darkseid shows up. All hell breaks loose, you know. Uh, Darkseid basically just chucks Luthor off the building. For some ungodly reason, Batman saves him. I don't even know what the hell was going on there. Because um, Batman won't let any person die. <laughs> see, that's why I like the, the Christian Bale, uh, Chris Nolan Batman. The whole, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you aspect i really like that and i really would have liked it if bruce just looked over the side of that building and was like oh i'm out of grapples oh wait no here's one oh okay luthor pizza you know <laughs> i mean they weren't gonna let it happen but i you know i'm just joking but it would have been a little humorous but anyways um basically what happens is superman and uh brainy not brainiac dark side they're gonna go toe to toe and you know, Darkseid's like, uh, you know, the last time we met, you barely escaped with your life. And Superman's like, that's not quite how I remember it. And uh, Darkseid's like, well, let me refresh your memory. So he picks up the giant globe off the Daily Planet. He bashes Superman with it to the point where basically all the floors in the Daily Planet just boom, 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 collapse, blowing out the windows along the way. Um, uh, the, the Daily Planet staff, they try to get the hell out of there. And uh, Superman and Darkseid, they're, they're going toe-to-toe. Uh, Luthor and Batman end up back into the building. I think they swung in back through a window. Um, they're taking out parademons. Um, at, at one point, you know, Luthor's got two guns. At one point, Luthor even offers one of his guns to uh, Batman, who's out of Batarangs. And he's like, not my style. He ends up stealing one of the parademon spears. Darkseid and Superman, they're still going at it. You know, Batman's doing what he can to keep Darkseid off of Superman's ass. At one point, uh, uh, Darkseid throws Batman off of him, and uh, Darkseid shoots some of his Omega Beams at Batman, which Batman dodges. And uh, Darkseid's actually impressed. He's like, no one's ever dodged my Omega Beams before. Um, and then he looks at Luthor, and he's like, I wonder if the other one is as agile. And <laughs> Luthor's just like, see you later, guys! And he just, like, books it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, the, you know, Superman and uh, Darkseid, they, they keep fighting. And, uh, uh, you know, I just have to keep saying they keep fighting, they keep fighting, because that's really going on throughout this whole thing, and there's there's banter between them. But while that's going on, Metron shows up again, and Luthor finds him. He's like, you! You're an asshole! And Metron's like, well, I told you this was going to happen, you dumbass. Well, Luthor's like, look, 
if you knew that this was the likely outcome, that means you probably know a way to defeat Darkseid. Why don't you tell me what that is? So Metron's like, I don't know if you're going to survive this. And Luthor's like, trust me, I will. So Metron takes Luthor to the source wall because um, pretty much the only thing that's going to stop Darkseid is the one thing he always wants, and that's the anti-life, anti-life equation. Um, and Metron uh, tells Luthor right, before, right when they're at the source wall, he's like, if he's like, you know, if you enter that, you're probably not going to come out alive. Only a 12th level intellect can handle it. And Luthor's like, well, I'm overqualified. So he dives in. He Great line. Goes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just screaming all the while because of what he's seeing. We don't know what he's seeing, but it's it's crazy, whatever it is. So he's disappeared for a while. Cut back to the Daily Planet. And uh, Batman jumps on uh, Darkseid's back, um, trying to save Superman, at least for a moment. And uh, Darkseid is annoyed and also a little impressed that Batman won't give up. And Superman says, that man and all of my friends will never give up. And uh, he's like, me? I've got another problem. My problem is, is I'm going to super punch you through a building, killing thousands of... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I knew we'd get the rant in here somewhere. Yeah, exactly. No, what Superman (laughs) says is, me, I feel like I live in a world of cardboard. Having to be careful with everybody and everything, being afraid that I'm going to crush it. But he's like, you, you can take it, big guy. So he winds up, and he lets out like the biggest punch he's ever let out on anybody. It even slows down in this kind of bullet-timey thing. Um, and uh, Brainiac, Brainiac, sorry, Darkseid goes flying through all these skyscrapers. Uh, Superman uses super speed to zip in front of the body, which is flying through the air. Uh, double axe handles him back down to the ground. Superman lands, and uh, he says to Darkseid, uh, have you had enough? And Darkseid's like, hardly. Gets up, throws some, like, what's it called? The pain matrix or something at him? Ag- agony matrix. Agony matrix, yeah. Throws it at him, and he basically says, this thing, it's activating all of your pain receptors in your body at once. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, he pulls off something from his glove, and it turns out it's a kryptonite, kryptonite jackknife. And or switchblade or something. And he says, you know what? I'm going to show you a little mercy. I'm going to cut out your heart and put it on a pike in my throne room. <laughs> nice little bit of mercy you got going on there, Darkseid. Our definitions are different, I think. But hey, <laughs> whatever. So um, right before Darkseid can dig out Soup's heart, Luthor shows up and he goes, sorry I'm late. I had to put on my power suit, which is a great line. Um, and we see him back in his classic Superman the Animated Series suit. And Darkseid's like, you're going to challenge me? And Luthor's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you what you want. And he opens up his hand, and we don't see what it is. It's just a glowy thing. And um, Darkseid's like, the anti-life equation. So he drops the kryptonite knife, walks over there, um, and uh, Batman jumps down into this crater that Superman's body was in. He's able to drag him out, and right when he does that, there's this giant explosion or something uh, Darkseid and Luthor are gone. We don't know where they are. I think we're supposed to assume that they're now part of the source wall, though. Um, they're gone. Darkseid's forces retreat back through their boom tubes. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, yay, we saved the day, woo! And, the you know, then Wonder Woman's like, okay, we're going to cart the villains off to jail. And they're like, hey, we just hope you saved the day. So Superman and Batman, they look at each other, and Batman's like, five-minute head start? Yeah. So... You know, the villains are like, uh, okay, and they book it the hell out of there. And uh, 
the Justice League, one by one, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, um, they go down the stairs, and uh, as they do, Wonder Woman says, and the adventure continues, and Batman runs right at the camera, of course, because he started the DCAU, he gets to end the DCAU, and um, that's it, that's it, that's how Justice League and Destroyer ends. I know I left out some few things, like, which I should have gotten back to, and I'll do here right now, and I said I was gonna... The reason I brought up the reason the reason I brought up Wonder Woman being in China is because there is a, an old couple there, and uh, th- this this guy he tells his wife he's like you know go, go be safe but I have to do my thing and she's like okay I understand and uh, he's walking along the Great Wall of China and uh, Wonder Woman's like sir sir get out of here and he's like no I just want to help she's like I appreciate that but and he starts kicking the shit out of all these parademons and she's like huh and he then shapeshifts into a giant red dragon, takes up more parademons, hovers in front of Diana, and turns back into John Jones. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Wonder Woman and him share a hug. Um, In fact, John even smiles. It might be the first time we've seen John smile in the DCAU, you know? (laughs) Um, I know he has once or twice, but it's so rare. I know. Um, So let's see. There was that. That was a big moment. Um... There was the moment where um, Commander Steel, or whatever his name is, saved Shaira uh, by decapitating a parademon with a shield, which of course is a reference to Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, I think I got the I got the bulk of this one. Just big big fight between Darkseid and Superman. Yep. Um, so what were you thinking? Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to properly talk about this episode, just because of. It's one big epic fight all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I want to be able to talk about this one the way we talked about the last episode, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but I can't. Uh, <laughs> I just can't. Um, I will reiterate my, uh, my love of Ironside's dark side here um, because when he's, like, talking about carving his heart out, yeah. putting it on a pike, uh, god damn. I can't believe they got away with that, truthfully. Even though I know this is 2006 when this aired originally, <laughs> and they're they're a little more lenient on things, but Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this parademon clearly gets decapitated, mm-hmm. uh, and they they show the severed head just yeah. without without the blood behind it. You know? Yeah, it's like right in the forefront of the screen. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I was I was like Captain America and. Kung Lao from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, and then Batman with more Mortal Kombat. Batman pulls a scorpion with the grapple gun. <laughs> He's like shoots one of the parademons and pulls it towards him and flings him around somewhere. <laughs> uh, very nice. I, I really wish I could properly put into words what my feelings are for this one. I love this episode. I really do. But uh, I suspect you'll probably have better words than I will. I, I, I really don't know. I mean... I just really have to say, I think this does a really wonderful job tying up what they were doing in the last episode. You know, what they set up there, what they've set up with this entire season. Um, They swerve us. As I said at the end of the last episode, they really swerve us. We think Brainiac's coming back. Brainiac's going to be the big villain. Maybe Brainiac Luthor again. It turns out it's Darkseid who's an even bigger menace than Brainiac really is, in my opinion. Um, you know, you just don't see that coming, but they pull off the surprise, and they pull off the attack. 
and all the action so well. Um, sure, I would have liked to have seen more with the question, more with, um, like, where was Aquaman during all of this? Uh, this was an Aquaman embargo, so they couldn't have him on there. But. but to not even find a way to sneak him in, like, cut to an ocean, and we see whales mysteriously attacking parademons you know what i'm saying like we know that would be aquaman's doing um especially because they pay such a tribute to like all the like so many iterations of the justice league and again we're going to get into that in a minute um to, to not have aquaman there i thought was a little disrespectful not on the producers of the dcau but on dc and warner brothers part for not letting them put them in you know what i'm saying um but you know that, that that's really a minor gripe it is it is but, uh, no, I, I just think they handled everything, everything so well. Yeah, like I said, there's certain things I would have liked to see more of, but I think it would have been at the cost of the stuff we did get. You know, to throw in, you know, it's like, you know, there's a part of me that's like, where was Aztec? Because I'm a big Aztec fan. Well, that means we would have had to have lost 5, 10, 15 seconds from another scene, and they just couldn't do that. You know, I sure I would have liked more of the Flash because we, you know, I've said all along, Michael Rosenbaum's Flash is my favorite character in the DCAU. You know, and he wasn't exactly treated well, you know, these last couple of seasons. Um, sure, he got to take down Luthor Brainiac, but really before that he was treated like crap. And he did get two great episodes this season, but he didn't do much in this episode. You know, but again, they would have had to sacrifice other things. And at the end of the day, this really was more about Superman than anybody else this episode here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just kind of rambling at this point. What else do you want to say? I think it's kind of funny, though, just as a side note here, that this episode, Destroyer, and the last episode, Alive, are the names of two Kiss albums. Oh, that can't <laughs> be a coincidence, then. No, it can't. Yeah. Especially because Alive has an exclamation point on it, as does the Live Kiss album of the okay. same name. <laughs> then there we go. I didn't realize that. Okay. I, think that's, I thought that was kind of funny. There is something I have to wonder about here. This this is a kind of a, a slip up on their the producer's part. Uh, Orion appears at the end of Alive uh, with at the very end there with one of as one of the leaguers confronting the Legion of Doom on their okay. doorstep. Yeah. But then at the re the beginning of the next of this episode, he's not there at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then but then he he's not even seen at all in the fight scenes either. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Which is kind of irksome to me, but especially because it's an uh, apocalypse um, invasion. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to think of Apocalyptonian, Apocalyptian, yeah, Apocalyptian. <laughs> I guess that's what it is, Apocalyptian. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but then he appears again at the end of the episode with all the, the uh, leaguers running down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And since you brought that up, let's, let's just get right into that. Okay, here's what's going on. They're just not randomly throwing people down the stairs. Um, I, I think this is the order it happens in. We get... Uh, Buona Beast and Metamorpho, who were created by Bob Haney. Uh, we then get the question, Hawk and Dove, Creeper, Captain Adam, uh, who were created by Steve Ditko. We then get the Crimson Avenger, Shining Knight, Vigilante, Stargirl, and Stripe, who are most of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. We then get uh, Wildcat, Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight, Our Man, uh, who are the Justice Society of America. We then get Commander Steel, Vixen Vibe, and Gypsy, who are from Justice League, uh, the Detroit era. We then get um, Booster Gold, Fire and 
Ice, Elongated Man, who were Justice League International. We get Green Arrow, who again should have been, you know, was also with the Seven Soldiers, but or not, we didn't see him before, but we know from the previous episode that he was with the Seven Soldiers. Uh, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Red Tornado, the Atom, and Zatanna, who were from the Satellite Era of the Justice League. And then we get Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawk Girl, and John Jones, who of course were the DCAU Justice League founders. Um, and as I said before, you know, the, the show, this episode closes on Batman running at the camera because, of course, he started the DCAU. So, yes, that's there, there's your little history lesson. <laughs> very nice. Very nice, yeah. sir. Yeah, thank you. I <laughs> uh, never would have known. Well, most of that. I knew the Steve Ditko characters, but that's yeah. really about it. And, yeah. Well, and the Seven Soldiers, since we addressed that in a previous episode. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. for that history lesson <laughs> thank you um now can i can i bring up a couple of gripes with this one sure i already have go ahead okay um i think the scene where luthor offers batman a gun now i understand why they did it they were trying to reiterate batman doesn't use guns he finds them offensive but there is no way in all hell luthor would give away one of his weapons especially to batman I just don't agree with that scene. Um, I don't know. Do you have a thought about that? Or My thought on that is Luthor does not want to take on all these parademons by himself. I see what you're saying there. Hmm. Interesting. Because as much as he doesn't want to do that, it's all about his survival. You're right, because he does then say, suit yourself, and he, takes the, and he brings the gun back. Yeah, he's so. like, I'm, I'm planning on living through this. Okay, okay, I will give you that. That's not something I had considered. Okay, okay. There's a couple of points in this one, and it's it's just a couple of points, really, where I think the animation is a little off, but I forgive it because there's so much going on. Um, you know, if they screw up a thing here or there, you just kind of got to go... The, the scale of this one is so big that they weren't going to get everything picture perfect, you know? Right. And, well, then there's the big thing, which, of course, I've spoken about on this show before, have discussed with people over at the forums. I don't think I'm going to really rant about it, but I'm going to state it point blank. Mm -hmm. There are people in the buildings that Superman knocked Darkseid through. I do not care how you try to justify it by saying everybody was on the street. No, they weren't. You know, you what, th- th- there's a big battle going on and you're going to suddenly run out to the street? No, there are people who are going to take shelter in their homes. And some people live in skyscrapers. Some people might not have been able to get out of those buildings in time because of the shit that was happening. Maybe there were fires on floors below the floors they were in, such as what happened in the World Trade Centers. There were people in those buildings, and you cannot convince me otherwise. I said I wasn't going to rant. I just did, but I'm off my soapbox. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you that there were people in the buildings, because Mm -hmm. quite frankly, why are there still people in the Daily Planet? Yeah, yeah. Have these people not seen the movie Independence Day? (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. No, but uh, like seriously, yeah, there's absolutely still people in those buildings. Yeah, and I honestly don't buy the argument that Superman used his supervision to only punch Darkseid through buildings 
that there <laughs> were that there weren't people in it. And I'm going to tell you why that theory doesn't work for me. Uh, it doesn't work on two levels. One, Superman is so emotional in that moment that I don't see him. Grant, he is a good tactician. He's not Batman, but he's a really good tactician. But I just don't see him doing that. Two, if he has such great accuracy with his punches, why didn't he punch Darkseid up into fucking space? Because by punching him through those buildings, all that rubble is going to fall to the ground. And if the people aren't in the buildings, then they're on the streets where the rubble can hit them. And you can't tell me that he knows where the rubble's going to fall. He may be able to punch Darkseid with pinpoint accuracy through the building so he doesn't harm a single soul, but you cannot tell me that he knows every brick is not going to hurt someone, therefore kill someone, honestly, on the streets of Metropolis. I know a lot of people are dying left and right because of the parademons, but Superman killed people. I am sorry. He was reckless in that moment. Totally agree. I said it was off my soapbox, but I <laughs> lied, apparently. <laughs> um, and this is a minor thing, a very minor thing. But why exactly do Darkseid's minions retreat back into the boom tubes once Darkseid's been defeated? I, I, I don't understand that. It's just like, oh, our leader's gone. Bye. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. You'd think they'd want to fight harder because they just lost their leader. Yeah. And where were the female Furies. Yeah. However, getting back into some gushing, mm-hmm. um, Batman pole, pole vaulting into Darkseid, and then <laughs> the subsequent flea, and, yeah. then, and the Omega Blast is, quite frankly, it might be my favorite moment in all of the DC. Wow, okay. And I'm saying this not thinking about all the other sh- all of the other shows that we've seen from here from Batman the end series on but my god I love that moment I can never watch it enough times <laughs> I just I love the fact that Batman is standing up to dark side and kind of kicking him in the back and knocking maybe six feet away yeah and, and dark side just kind of turns his head and is like really <laughs> and then just Batman managing to avoid the Omega Beam if it was going to be anybody I'm glad it was Batman frankly yeah He's about the only person I could think, at least human, that I could think maybe Lady Shiva. I don't know. But yeah. whatever. I just, I love that moment so much. It's so mm. badass. Yeah. It is way up on the badass list for the DCU. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a little something I want to throw in here is when we see all the villains in the Sinestro Star Sapphire uh, force field, did you notice that Toyman is taking care of Killer Frost? Yes. Who, as you pointed out, he was kicking the shit out of in the previous episode. Like, what is wrong with this guy? This broad was trying to kill him and would have killed him too because we saw her kill all those other villains. And now he's like, oh, I want to make sure you're okay, honey. You know, I think he's holding her hand as she's laying there passed out. <laughs> this guy Toy- is fucked up. <laughs> Toyman should be like the... Uh, the villain on a Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> like, he's like, 
he should be the subject of an investigation on criminal crimes. Um, and like, where he's like this guy who kills people, but then feels bad about it and just kind of crosses their arms over their chests as a sign of respect or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wow. Yeah. I hope that at some point that show tackles a guy like Toy Man, <laughs> not who builds like robots and kills people, but yeah. I mean, just like just a guy who has the kind of bizarre mental breakdowns that Toy Man has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I love that show. I love yeah. that so much. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, so can we get back to Superman Darkseid real quick? Oh, sure. Okay, let's try to tally this up, because I've always said Superman never beats Darkseid. Now, let's think about it, because this is their last confrontation. Has he ever beaten Darkseid? I still maintain that he won when the meteor blew up, because he... He actually beat Darkseid so badly, his face was bleeding. But that one, at the very least, came to a stalemate. Because Batman boom-tubed Superman away before that fight was over, and Brainiac ended it... Or it just ended because Brainiac's asteroid exploded. Mm -hmm. That one I'll maybe give you a stalemate. There's the one on Apocalypse where Superman... Or, or, you know, Darkseid gets carted away, and he's all like, you know, I'm many things, but here I'm a god. Right, which so, I, I forgot about for a moment, which I would think is even more of a victory than the, the asteroid thing, because <laughs> Superman used some smarts. He used Darkseid to beat himself. And I disagree, because I think Darkseid won that victory, won that victory, won that fight, you know, because... He got into Superman's head. He told him, you can beat me down and beat me down, but I will always rule here. And I'm going to keep coming back. I consider that one um, a mental victory over Superman. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Right. I thought we were just strictly speaking physical battles here. Even a physical battle. They were both beaten to shit at the end of that one. True. But Um, Superman was still standing. That's true, but I still got to give Darkseid an extra point there because of the way he fucks with Superman's head. Mm -hmm. Um, We get... And is this their third and last fight, or do they have one more we're not remembering? Well, they never never actually fought in the episode where Turpin died. Uh I don't think. No, they... they, Well, wait a minute. Maybe they did, because Superman was captured in that kind of device thing displayed in front of Metropolis. But I don't remember what led up to that off the top of my head. Okay. But, okay, in this one, Superman clearly does not win. He gives him, he flat out says, he gives Darkseid everything he has. He's Mm. even so confident that he quips with him. And, you know, he's like, had enough? And Darkseid's like, hardly. And then Darkseid throws him in the Agony Matrix and is going to carve his heart out had Lex Flippin' Luthor not showed up. You know, I... It's... I I really... Okay, this fight, at the very least, Superman did not win. The good guys won, but Superman did not win this one. Um, I'll consider the Brainiac asteroid thing a stalemate, and the other one on Apocalypse... I can kind of see what you're coming from, but again, I I really got to give Darkseid an extra point because he got into Superman's head. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll disagree on that one. I do yeah. I, I do agree with you with the mental victory, mm-hmm. but um, I still I believe really Superman won that physical fight. Okay.
and then we we can't remember what happened in um uh why am I not remembering that? Is that Apocalypse Now? Is yeah, it's Apocalypse Now, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I don't I know if remember. they ever fight. I think I think Darkseid at one point pins him against the wall with Omega Beams, or one of his beams or something. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they ever actually come to blows. I just know Superman starts trashing the ship after mm-hmm. Turpin gets killed. That That's all I remember. So, yeah, I mean, people want to write in and argue that point, you know, please do. Do it at the forums, you know, do it in email. Um, one other thing uh, uh, as re- relates to Superman and Dark Side battles is I, I like how when they're on the top of the Daily Planet and Dark Side hovers down and uh, I like how his little speech there ends with "Let's go." Because yeah, <laughs> that, that's how that's how Superman ended his little speech in Twilight before they started oh, fighting there. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, this this thing parallels Twilight quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the poorly named Twilight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Twilight, <laughs> no, it's okay. Twilight of the Gods, because I think that was what it was kind of called uh, at one point. Oh, there we okay. go. I'll, okay. I'll say that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how I weave my way around that one. Yes, yes. Oh, what else do you have about this one? Because I'm on a lot of notes. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have anything else. but Oh, yeah, I've got to mention Toy Man with the Nerf gun bomb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to me, that was sort of the Toy Man wait for it moment. Like Batman with the bat- with uh-huh. exploding battery. <laughs> yep. The parademons are like... <laughs> boom, 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 boom. It's like, whoa, Toy Man, you're cool. <laughs> oh, something I do want to add. Um, I keep calling him Flaming Skull Guy. Is his name Atomic Skull or something like Atomic that? Skull. Atomic Skull. Thanks to this episode, I kind of get the impression... That he's really not a terrible guy at heart. He takes care of Shaira um, when she, after she gets the spear thrown and through her wing. Um, he's the one that says, "Hey, it's our world too." Exactly. Um, I would like to think that after this, he becomes maybe not a hero, but like an anti-hero. Um, I know we don't find that out, but that's just what I would like to think happens to the guy. And I'd like to think that with some of the other villains, too. Uh, like Giganta, because she plants that kiss on Wally. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not Sinestro. Definitely not Luthor. I mean, he appears to die, but we don't know. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in there. But there's a couple I could see being good guys or anti-heroes. Star Sapphire, maybe? I don't... Maybe. I mean, her life is saved by the Shining Knight. Maybe she gets turned around by that. Who knows? Who knows, yeah. When did you figure it all out? I guess I've always known. But a few months ago when Bruce's kidneys failed and they needed a tissue donor to clone him new ones, turned out I was a perfect histocompatibility match with him. Perfect. You know the odds? 111 to 1. Yeah. So you ran a DNA test. Once I worked up the nerve. I was 16 years old when you started training me, Bruce. A punk kid with a smart mouth and potential I didn't even suspect. I may have pretended otherwise, but I looked up to you. Worshipped you. What you wanted from me, I couldn't give to anyone. Tell me something I don't know. My dad wasn't a superhero. He didn't save the world from the near apocalypse of 09. He never went toe-to-toe with Mr. Freeze, but he was a good man just the same. Even after he and Mom got divorced, he always tried to do the right thing. My brother and I were always provided for. When Mom couldn't quite make the bills, he always helped out. Tried to teach me right from wrong. Would have, too, if I'd ever listened to him. And he never laid a hand on me, although Lord knows I was asking for it. What's your point? What's my point? My point is I never once doubted that he loved me with all his heart. My point is all those warm feelings I had for my dad? Turns out they were just another lie. 
Another in the long list of things you've stolen from me. My point is, I just found out that Warren McGinnis isn't my father. You are. And the very last episode is epilogue. Um, something we need to note here. Uh, everything that happens in this episode in black and white is Terry imagining what would yes. happen. They aren't actually events that happened. Right. There's there's several clues to this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he punches the clock, but later on it's not broken. Right. Um, he breaks he had- up with Dana, but later on they're still together. Um, there's probably one or two other things I'm not remembering right now, but he yes, a those... huge fight with Bruce, like mm-hmm. verbal war with him. And then later it's like, Oh, Hey, I made some soup for you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I can see it being a little confusing, but James is absolutely right. Those are just Terry's imagination, uh, and not actual events. All right, then. Uh, that said, we open this one in future Gotham city where a figure in shadows breaks into a very heavily guarded compound and makes his way to a specific room where he is met by the elderly Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. And Waller says... Ooh, let me jump in here. Oh, She's yeah. got to be at, at least 100. Because they say this episode takes place 65 years from now. Whenever now is. Okay? Right. And in the in, in the Justice League era, she's clearly at least 40. Yeah, potentially forty-five. So she's a hundred to one hundred and ten years old. <laughs> Maybe, and she uh, looks better uh, than uh, Bruce, who's <laughs> like at least ten to fifteen years younger, probably ten years younger than her. Maybe five years, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, granted, he put his body through hell, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's even lost some weight too. Good for her. Yes. Yeah, she has. Uh, so Waller says that she has been expecting the gentleman for some time, and it turns out to be, of course, Terry McGinnis. Um, and after the title theme, we get our first black and white scene, uh, and also the aspect ratio changes too, which is kind of neat. Uh, Terry in the bat suit storms into the bat cave, destroying the clock, as we mentioned a second ago. Uh, and we see super old Bruce sitting at the bat computer, and Terry demands to know why he did what he did. And Bruce says, the only thing that matters is the mission. And Terry's like, what about people, Bruce, Dick, Barbara, Tim, Selena, all of them loved you, but they all abandoned you. Ever wonder why? And then Bruce says, no, they never had the heart for the mission, so I don't really care. And uh, he uh, also says he isn't surprised to see that he's about to quit. And Terry's like, what? <laughs> and so we go back to Waller's place, and she tells him to sit down, and uh, she keeps trying to get him to drink some tea and Finally, Terry just gets fed up and slaps the teacup out of her hand, and it breaks on the ground. And uh, immediately, he feels really bad for this, and he apologizes. And then we get to another black and white uh, scene where Dana's like, oh, sorry isn't good enough. And uh, she wants to know what's going on, and he reiterates that every time they're together, she's risking her life. Uh, so we now see that Dana knows who Terry is. and uh, But Terry... Terry ultimately says that their relationship is over. He he's taking the choice out of her hands. Yeah, um, we should say that even though this is Terry just imagining things, if he's imagining that she knows who he is, he obviously told her at some point in their real past. Right. Th- that that's a little confusing because we did say everything was fake or imaginary, but that she does know. Even though this seems imaginary, she does clearly know that Terry is Batman. Yes. So we go back to Waller's house, and she sort of forgives him, but she's laments that the set is ruined. And uh, we get another cut to a black and white scene where the uh, Justice League Unlimited is fighting several Batman Beyond rogues. Um, I believe it's the Stalker, Shriek, Ink, and I can't—I don't know who the other one is, but uh, 
Anyway, Terry flies in to finish off uh, Shriek, uh, the last the last one that was still uh, fighting. But uh, he then he then tells the league that he's quitting. He, he's done. And they're like, what? "That can't be. The, the Justice League needs Batman." And uh, Terry says, "Forget it. Batman is dead." So, still in black and white, uh, Bruce asks Terry uh, when he figured it out. And Terry figured that uh, when Bruce needed a kidney and he was a perfect blood match for him, the odds of that being the case in and of itself were exponentially low. And Terry says that his father was a good man who always tried to help him and his mom and brother. And he keeps really just extolling how how much he loved his dad. And Bruce then is just like, what's your point? And Terry snaps back that my point is that you know Warren McGinnis. I just found out Warren McGinnis isn't my father. You are. Uh-oh. And and Bruce Bruce ultimately is like, look, I couldn't have rewritten your DNA because I first met your mother when you were already 16 years old. And uh, Terry's like, oh, maybe you dug up that Cadmus nanotech stuff. But Bruce's like, that stuff has been illegal for 40 years. So Terry says, oh, that never stopped the Joker from using it on Tim Drake. Snap. Yikes! Um, and he's like, "All right, low blow." Uh, but and Bruce is like, "Look, believe whatever you want. No matter what you think, the world needs a Batman." And he's you know goes for some of his pills, but he collapses on the floor. And Terry's just like, "You know what, it, it, old man? Your words were all correct. You're insane. The mantle of Batman isn't an honor. It's a it's a damn curse." And uh, Back in Waller's uh, place, Waller decides that uh, she's heard enough of the disparaging of Bruce by Terry, and she tells him a story. So, back in our time, uh, the JLU and Waller were enemies, and uh, this was probably shortly after Waller came to understand that the JLU wasn't bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, we see that the the Justice League is trying to clean up one of her old messes, the uh, one of the incarnations of the Royal Flush Gang. And um, once the League stopped the face cards, uh, they had to turn their attention to Ace, the same one that Joker tried to manipulate in wild cards. And Waller lands in a helicopter and confronts Batman and the others and tells them that uh, Ace's power has evolved. She doesn't just give people hallucinations anymore. She telekinetically warps reality. And she is mere hours away from a massive aneurysm uh, that's going to unleash a, a psychic backlash that will kill everyone within range of her powers. And that's several miles uh, so Waller says, uh, you need to get to Ace and stop her before that can happen. And Batman volunteers as he's the only one that Ace knows. And Waller's like, you understand what you're agreeing to here. The only way to stop her for certain is to kill her. And Batman grabs this device she uh, gives them and runs into Ace's stronghold of sorts. And uh, Batman arrives in the, the heart of this place, in this courtyard. and Ace is sitting on a swing set there, and she asks uh, if Batman enjoyed fighting her new Royal Flush gang, and Batman's like, no, can't say I did. And she's like, yeah, they never they never play with me anymore. It's, uh, and she then starts to, uh, you know, really really lay her her mind out for Bruce to see here, that, she, you know, Cadmus used to poke and prod her brain with these electrical prods and ask if she could move things with her mind, and She's like, yeah, I could. And Cadmus got their weapon, and I got cheated out of my childhood. And Batman, in a really very human moment, is just like, I really, I know what that feels like. And Ace is like, she realizes right then and there, yeah, you do, don't you? And she's like, don't worry, you don't have to say anything. I read your mind. 
and I knew that you weren't going to use Waller's weapon on me. And Batman takes the device and just tosses away and says, you're right, I wasn't. And uh, Ace is just like, you know, you were just going to come in here and try and convince me to uh, undo everything I've, I've uh, you know, warped uh, before I die. And Batman's just like, yes. And Ace just is about to break down and she just asks, would you, you know, would you stay with me? Because uh, I'm, I'm scared. And Batman just does. He sits on the swing next to her and just holds her hand. And after an indeterminate amount of time, reality is restored to normal. And uh, Batman walks out of where this stronghold was, holding Ace dead in his arms. So we're back in the future now. Waller says he stayed with her until her time came. And uh, that was the Batman she grew to know over the years. And Terry, Terry is like, you know, maybe he showed mercy, but he's still really skeptical here. And he's like, He's saying he probably just deduced that Ace wouldn't actually kill anybody, and Waller has to uh, begrudgingly agree that he was always three steps ahead of everybody. And uh, Terry says, exactly, Bruce would never stop at anything to get what he wanted. And finally, Waller's like, look, Bruce did not rewrite your DNA with his. I did. And Terry's just like, how and why? (laughs) And Waller says, because the world needs a Batman. And she was like, I never, I, I didn't always agree with that assessment, but over the years, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, I, I saw that Batman could solve just about any problem with nothing but his wit, his, uh, his, his wits, his, uh, and his body and his spirit. She also noticed, though, over the years, I mean, he was getting older and slower, and it was, it was only going to be a matter of time before he retire, or much more likely somebody would kill him. And Waller just it was like, look, the thought of a world without Batman was unacceptable to me. So I set out to make a new one. And her new mission was dubbed Project Batman Beyond. And she searched her the beginnings of her project were to search for a neo-Gothamite couple with psychological profiles matching those of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And she found Warren and Mary McGinnis. And uh, all of us now was to get a sample of Bruce's DNA, which was easy enough to get. He left it all over town. <laughs> Won't be what I meant. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that part. <laughs> Just the look on Terry's face. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so one day when Warren was going for a, a simple flu shot, uh, the doctor was actually a Cadmus doctor and instead gave him a nanotech uh, solution that rewrote his re- into an exact copy of Bruce Wayne's. That was done, but Waller's like, but here comes the hard part. When making a Batman, genetics is only half of the equation. The other is tragedy. So Waller's second half of the plan was to have Terry's parents murdered in front of him when he was eight years old. And the trauma would set him on the path to becoming Batman. But Waller's assassin, the fucking Phantasm, yeah. uh, would not pull the trigger. Her rationale was that Batman might be obsessive, but he would never resort to murder to reach his goals. And Waller again, has to begrudgingly agree if she was to honor all that Batman stood for, neither could she. And uh, Terry says, yeah, but here's the thing. My father wound up dead anyway. Even even if Bruce never had anything to do with it, he, you know, I was cursed. It was fate. And Waller said, you know, is this like, you know what? The Lord has been a great comfort to me over the years. And Terry's very skeptical of this, too. The people's eyebrow and like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Try not to look so stunned. And uh, but she, bottom line is, she believes everything happens for a reason. And she says, 
you're not Bruce's clone. You're his son. And though you don't have his, you know, his astounding intellect, uh, she's like, I've never met anyone who cares as much as fellow man than you. And she then offers some sage advice. If you want to not follow the same tragic, lonely path that Bruce did, keep your loved ones close and take care of them. Or don't. It's your choice. So Waller heads to bed, and then at like 3 in the morning that night, Terry calls Dana uh, from Wayne Manor to make sure their date is still on for Friday. Uh, because unbeknownst to her, he has an engagement ring. Hey. And, uh, yeah. So Dana's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really sleepy here. <laughs> I, but uh, it's the other day to so They tell each other I love you. They hang up. Uh, and Bruce walks in, and he's like, you know, where the hell have you been? <laughs> and uh, I, Terry apologizes for worrying him. And he's like, I was worried about Gotham, you know, <laughs> if Batman isn't around. And Terry's like, look, I've got it covered always. So Bruce then says, oh, by the way, Kent called, and he wants your opinion on a case uh, that he's working. So Terry runs to get the bets on him. Bruce says, look, you should eat something first. And Terry's like, nah, later. So Bruce is like, you know, you're a stuck piece of work. You know that? And Terry just says to himself, just like my old man. So Terry flies off uh, in the bat suit, and our last image of the DCAU, much like our first one, is Batman flying by a police aircraft, and one of them asking, did you see that? Yep. And it is done. That is it, yeah. Uh, before we go any further, um, I just want everybody to know that James and I were having internet troubles right now. Um, so if James's line sounds a little digital, a little choppy, um, we both want to apologize for that. We don't know what's going on here. Um, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to edit it so that it's... Uh, the choppiness, you know, isn't as uh, pervasive. Is that the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, as it was in real life. But do know that if you if words sound a little cut off, that's not bad editing. That's actually the internet being a douchebag. So yeah, specifically mine because I know it's well. <laughs> well, it could be yours, could be mine. It, it doesn't matter whose end it's on. It's just the internet being a big dickhole right now. So pretty much, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, epilogue, this is it. I mean, yes, there's two more episodes of World's Finest Podcast to go, but for all intents and purposes, we're done. I mean, we right here have done what we set out to do, to cover everything in the DC animated universe. And, you know, and we've said before, the reason we saved epilogue, because even though it was the ending of the first season of Justice League Unlimited, the reason we saved it to end this program is because it ends the DCAU. So we felt the way to end the this part of World's Finest Podcast was to end with this episode. So we have done it, sir. So uh, patting ourselves on the back, round of applause to each other. I don't know how to celebrate. <laughs> um, I'd offer you champagne, but considering our discussion earlier, you won't want that. And two, I'm in Chicago, you're in Atlanta, not really going to happen, the champagne thing. Uh, maybe in a few months' time we can, we can toast each other, though. Um, but regardless... Um, here we are with epilogue. What are your thoughts? Wow. This is, is the perfect way to end the DCAU, chronologically speaking, anyway. Right, yeah. Uh, it, it is. It's, I, I really hesitate to use this word because I don't think I've used it maybe ever, but this is perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with this episode at all. Mm-hmm. Not a damn thing. Um, and to really get a 
grasp as, as to how awesome this episode is. The scene, the death of Ace, nearly brings tears to my eyes every time I watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of that is Hendon Walsh, who I'm so glad they got to they got in there one last time. Uh, we of course know her as the voice of Starfire, um, most you know, notably, but. You know, we got to remember she was the voice of Ace in this episode and in Wild Cards, and I love her portrayal of this character, this DCAU character here, and it's it is such a powerful scene. I love it. And speaking of powerful, um, this entire episode, by the way, um, <laughs> is this is just epic. Uh, I I really like how they did the black and white uh, scenes, the the imagined scenes along with the real life, because it's really about 50-50. Right, yeah. And it, I think they meshed it very well together. My my summary doesn't really... You, you have to watch it. You absolutely have to watch this one. For I mean, really, you just need to watch this episode because it's so fucking awesome. But you need to watch it just to get a, a sense of how they edited everything. It's brilliant editing work on their part. Yeah. Um... What I appreciate about, uh, excuse me, what I appreciate about this episode is how unconventional it is. I mean, when this episode first aired, this really could have been the end of the DCAU. They didn't know if they were getting another season, um, so they were going to go out on what's pretty much a quiet episode. We do get Terry breaking into Waller's mansion. We do get to see the fight with the Royal Flush Gang. You know, th- there is action, but overall, it really is about a young man. Because Terry's maybe 25 or 30 at this point, you know? He really is a young man discovering something new about himself. And, you know, deciding, you know, is he living his own life or is he living a life that was created for him, both by Waller and by Bruce. Um, you know, and so this is really about a man becoming, you know, step, you know, becoming his own man. Um, and it's not the way you expect the DCAU Justice League, even Batman Beyond, because this really is a Batman Beyond episode, mm-hmm. um, to end. And, you know, I, I, we say this all the time, we always give them credit when they do unconventional stuff, gutsy stuff, ballsy stuff, whatever you want to call it. And in my opinion, this is probably the ballsiest thing they did. To end the DC, at least the DCAU chronologically this way, <sighs> huge risk, but I think it was the right move. I absolutely do. End it on an emotional note rather than a big, epic, uh, uh, Michael Bay-type action note. End it with heart, really. Yeah. And they call back to so many things in the mm-hmm. DCAU, not the least of which was the Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Uh, they they have the, the aged uh, Andrea Beaumont. Uh, mm-hmm. she, I mean, she, and she may have lost her arm or her hand, rather, uh, because her, I don't know if that's just a glove she has on, but it's very possible that she lost her hand. Yeah, I was looking at that, too. I, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Mask of the Phantasm to see how her hand looked before when she had the hook on it. Because I don't re- remember how that wh- how that hand looked before. Because she always wore the gauntlet with the weapon on it, right? Uh, yeah. But it looked much more like a 
a stump. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, and and then we go. We get a callback to the uh, the jail, the future jail U with Warhawk and Aqua Girl and the and uh, the green the new Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a callback to the Royal Flush Gang with Ace. Uh, get more we get to see more of the uh the batman beyond rogues one last time uh we get a call back to bat the return of the joker where terry just lays into bruce in his mind of course but still um and then we get uh you know we get terry referencing all of batman's partners you know batgirl and the robins and uh and selena so this i mean this episode is very much a chronological trip, and we we know Superman's still out there fighting. He's yeah, referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, they were doing everything they could to wrap up the universe as best they could. And uh, as as you said earlier, this this is pretty much a perfect episode. Um, yeah, though I do have something to say that might bring it down a notch in your eyes, James. Mm-hmm. What's that? Did you notice the Clock King? Um, I did not, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not sure it's the Clock King, but the scene where, uh, you know, Amanda's telling the story about how Terry was created, and uh, we see the McGinnises walking down the street, you know, the young McGinnises, full of love and hope, you know? Mm-hmm. And right before they kiss, there's a scene, uh, it's, it's like this bird's-eye view of a bald guy uh, carrying a briefcase, diligently looking at his watch before crossing the street, and it looks like the Clock King model. <laughs> it really does. Go back and check it. Um, I looked at that, and I'm like, I never noticed them before, and I'm like, oh, it's the Clock King 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go back and check that. <laughs> He's off to have some meeting ruined by Mayor Hamilton Hill's grandchild or something. I don't know, whatever. You know? <laughs> uh, he's off to blow up Hamilton Hill High School. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the clock king fucking guy. <laughs> uh, this freaking guy. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I want to go back to the Royal Flush Gang here because um, it's kind of funny how each one of the uh, – the non-ace Royal Flesh Gang members has some kind of little in-joke about them. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I noticed this, yeah. Ten uh, wears the exact same suit and has the exact same hairdo as Bo Derek in yeah. N. Yeah, she was the only one that I didn't peg the joke on right away. The other ones I got the jokes of, but this one I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It took me a while. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Then we got Jack, who is a samurai. Put two and two together there, mm-hmm. Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, queen is actually revealed <laughs> to be a man and thus is a drag queen. That's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, and then King uh, is very much a MODOK uh, mm-hmm. homage who was created by Jack Kirby, otherwise yes. nicknamed the King. Exactly, exactly. Um, th- that's something I've appreciated about these guys is that the they will put in non-DC references because that's the how big of fans they are, you know, that they'll throw in a, a MODOK, you know, for all intents and purposes. Just one to pay tribute to Kirby, who, of course, did work with DC, you know, created the whole fourth world and all that, um, but also just to be geeks, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we want to throw in a MODOK. Okay, there you go. You, the new king's a MODOK. <laughs> yeah. So what would MODOKs... Mobile organism... Mobile, yeah, mobile organism designed only for kinging? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, of course, is a great ghost reference. Terry and... His parents, they're not going to see Zorro. They're going to see the Grey Ghost. And I love how the Grey Ghost is updated. You know, um, it looks like he's got laser guns. You know, his outfit's a little different, but it's still the classic Grey Ghost silhouette. Something else I loved about this one was what you had said, uh, how Waller came to realize that if she was going to honor the legacy of Batman, she couldn't outright murder Terry's parents because that would taint his him becoming Batman forever. Even if he never knew that, she would, and she couldn't do that. Um, I very much like that. I mean, there's a small part of me that does call into question using you know, the Phantasm as the assassin. I mean, I get it from a geeky point of view. They wanted to bring her back. But at the same point, it's like you know, why, why not use, like, a, someone with the, a, like, the, a new dead shot? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, or an aged dead shot. But, it, again, from a geeky point of view, it, it ties it all together, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, in fact, like, the only thing that this series really doesn't, or this episode really doesn't wrap up, um, in terms of the Batman mythology, is what the hell happened to the Batwoman? Mystery of the Batwoman, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of conveniently forgot all that stuff. But again, yeah. I'm not I'm not holding it against them. I'm just pointing out that that's not mentioned. God, what else? What else? Well, of course, I'm yeah, I mentioned in the summary, but the episode ends exactly how the DCAU began with the uh, Batman uh with the uh, you know, the, with you know, of course with the first episode of Batman it was Man Bat, but still, I mean, this the effect was still the same. That was I was so I geeked out the first time I saw this episode, and that's how they ended. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And what they do is, in On Leather Wings, uh, Man Bat's flying from the left to the right, um, and Terry's Batman is flying from the right to the left. Um, and if you listen, they've taken the original Batman, the animated series theme. Yes. And they've updated it for Terry to, to let you know that he is no longer like this Batman imposter. He really is Batman now. He has stepped out of the shadow and, as I said before, is his own man. Um,. And so he's kind of off on his first real adventure as Batman. The first time he's seeing himself as, honestly, as Batman. Um, not controlled by Bruce, not dictated by fate, not pulled, not having anybody pull his strings. This is it. So I like that his adventure begins the way our adventure began with the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, it's, it's just brilliant what they did there. Absolutely. Yep. And I'll, I would argue that that really, that process began in Return of the Joker at the mm-hmm. very end with Bru- with Bruce's speech to him. Look, you know, you were wrong. You, it's not the suit that makes you Batman. It's or special. It's it's it is the other way around. And don't you yeah. ever forget it. Yeah, I mean, it just took Terry another, let's say, ten, twelve years, maybe fifteen years, even to actually realize that stuff. You know, 
Uh, but that's sometimes how it is in real life. You know, we don't realize the, the lesson we've been learning for years. And that's certainly the case for Terry. He had no clue. You know, that was the lesson he was learning. But at the end of the day, that is what he learned. Yep. So. And this, you know, this explains uh, really how or why uh, Terry has black hair. Because neither of his, of you know, <laughs> neither Mary nor uh, Warren had black hair. So yeah. it was frankly impossible for uh uh, Terry to have had black hair, but right. this really explains how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, two things about that. Um, one, since uh, what's Terry's dad's name? I mean, his the guy who raised him, Warren. Warren. Since Warren had his bio, had his uh, reproductive DNA or whatever turned into Bruce's. That means Terry's brother is Bruce's son too. Yep. Um. Oh, shoot, what was the other thing I was going to bring up? Oh, if you look at Terry when he's breaking into Waller's place, is it just me or did he look a lot like Bruce in, um, uh, when they went undercover in Starcross? He, he has the same outfit on, yep. Oh, is it the same outfit? Okay, mm-hmm. I just thought it looked sort of similar. I didn't realize it was the same outfit. Okay, yeah. We got to mention it a little, just, again, the, uh, Waller's line about he, him leaving his DNA all over town. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, not remotely what I meant. One of my favorite lines in the, all of DCAU. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, how did they get away with that? But I don't care. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I think the censors, the, the bigwigs, whatever, were like, they're wrapping it up. As long as they're not dropping the F-bomb, let them do what they want. You know what I mean? What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that almost spe- that almost like comes off like the writer not realizing what he wrote at first, you know? Like he left his DNA all over town. Oh shit! Not remotely what I meant, you know? <laughs> like it wasn't an intended joke, and then he realized the joke he had made and made it a joke. <laughs> oh man, I don't I don't really know what else to say. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, yeah, that's that's just it. All I will say is. Uh, you know, over on Facebook today on the uh, World's Finest Podcast uh, fan page, you know, I posted a thing saying I'm about to watch the remaining three episodes. And uh, someone had chimed in and said, oh, that makes me sad. And I was like, yeah, it makes me sad, too, you know, because, yeah, in 99, in the next episode, we are going to revisit the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited era and, you know, potentially rescore some episodes. But when it comes to... And I'm using the word new loosely. New episodes in quotes, there's no more. That's it. We're done. Everything else that we're going to cover in the next episode is stuff we've already covered. Um, And same with episode 100. Um, So this is it. It's over. And it was when I was starting these three episodes, when I started watching them today, it was kind of deeply emotional. And then when I got to epilogue, especially the end, the ending always makes me well up a little because of how cool it is, you know, and mm-hmm. what what it means to the DCAU. But I was like, it had something extra on top of it because it really meant the end of WFP. Um, again, two more episodes, but that's, that's still the end of it right there. At least it's core theme. It's core, yeah. the, the core idea behind it, I should say. So mm-hmm. really, this is, and I'm going to say this again in episode 100, but it's really the end of an era here. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 an end of an era for you know f- for us for WFP. It's the end of an era for Earth Two dot net, um, but it's also an end of end of an era for 
animation for TV because I really don't think we are going to see anything like this again in our lifetimes. Nope. Um, uh, who knows? 30, 40 years down the line, they may catch lightning in a bottle again. They being I don't know who. But I really don't believe we're going to see one cartoon spawn another, spawn another. Oh, my God, we've got a universe and keep branching out like they did here. Um, it's not something you can force. It's something that just happens. Yep. And I think when you try to force it, you end up with shows that ultimately don't work. Um, you know, Zeta, I think, was an interesting experiment. experiment but I think the re one of the main reasons it failed is because they were trying a little too hard. Uh, you know, they were trying to expand th the universe in a direction it wasn't meant to go. It was a branch off of a branch, you know. Exactly. So you can see right there, if you try too hard, it's not going to work. But when you just let it happen naturally, you get what we have here. And I, I just, I just, I really don't think this is ever going to happen again, especially if you look at how cartoons are now nowadays. You know, you get your three, four seasons, and then they cancel them. Even if they're still doing well, they just they just end them, and they move on to the next project. You know, I mean, let's take The Batman. They, they could have spun out a Justice League cartoon out of that. Yeah. They could have spun a Superman cartoon out of that. But either they didn't feel it was the right thing to do, or they were just like, eh, we're going to take Batman Superman in this whole other direction, giving us the Brave and the Bold. And don't get me wrong, the Brave and the Bold is a brilliant cartoon. I've said before, it might be the best Batman cartoon of all time. Um, but but they, they could have had that go in these other directions, but they, they just don't seem to want to do that anymore. They just want to hit a, hit this, hit, drop a project and move on. Drop a project and move on. And again, I have to reiterate that that i think that's really going to be one of the reasons one of the big reasons why we just don't see this again yeah i mean the only thing i could think of that may eventually happen with as it relates to a, a massive universe like this is uh avatar because they're about to branch off a new like a new mini series and who knows but, maybe the comic they, book well no i'm talking about the new Avatar series that's coming. It's about, I think it's only like 13 episodes. Oh, yeah, that's it right. Takes I heard like, about this. Yeah, yeah, it takes place like 80 years in the future. So. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it took place in the time between, you know, when Aang was out of commission. That's when I thought it was. Okay, don't say too much then because I don't want spoilers. Well, it, it hasn't started yet. I'm just. I know, but I don't want anything that's been released told to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, yeah, that maybe, who knows, somewhere down the road it will that universe will branch off into another series or another series. But yeah, th th something like this, it's very, very likely never going to happen again. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to score these? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Alive. I was debating on giving you this score in the Tala voice, but I'll spare you. Uh, <laughs> and you. I'll just say it's a 10. Yes, I agree. Destroyer. Um, ditto. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a nine. The Superman dark side thing, that brings it down a point. I understand. I, I know I'm going to get very, very angry comments at the forums <laughs> and in email, but I can't get past it. I just can't. Um, and epilogue. Well, I flat out said it was perfect, so I mean, <laughs> what, what else can that mean but a ten? Yeah, exactly. That is a ten.
see that? Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. And also, don't forget to start sending in your emails for episode 100. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll look back on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, discussing the two series and regrading several episodes each. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Mm-hmm.